You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, good morning and welcome to episode number 97 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining... Well, I'm joining him actually again this week in the Conservatory <laughs> studio is my co-host, Matt. Hello, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Madhouse, uh, I think is the best way to describe the start of this show. I know, no, it's like, it's like, an, it's like an 80s band from the UK, Madness, in here today. Is it? Really? it? Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. It's all good. a bit crazy. Yes, and there's a very good reason for that. More will become very apparent uh, shortly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we have, uh, after last week's uh, bit of a uh, uh, disaster, uh, disaster show, no two ways about it. Uh, <laughs> we have had a refresh on technological um, stuff <laughs> yeah. kit. You're not telling we, some serious money has been spent this week. And we have we have new microphones, as yes, you can see. Yes, I've, yes. I've got a, uh, the uh, proper, proper microphone again uh, this week. The the more candid viewer amongst you may notice that we're also transmitting in very very high definition this it's morning. Lovely. In a very mild, it's not it's not quite what I call 1080p, but it is it it's, is it's 720, yeah, 720 720, yeah. which is not bad for, for a, a very remote location in East Anglia. So uh, yeah, so hopefully that'll hold up well. So that we'll, we'll, we'll keep, let us know if it falls offline oh. uh, <laughs> but, uh, so uh yeah thanks for joining us for episode 97 this morning indeed. and um we are uh, obviously here like we said at matt's conservatory studio the weather outside is not very good it's, no, um, it's not the parachute plane has been up a few times it this has. morning yes, but yes. Um, hopefully hopefully up since hopefully somebody who uh, who i work with uh, lee has been jumping out of an airplane this morning oh good yes I like the sound of that yes yes we uh, so <laughs> rather him than me is is that where I go with that? Oh, I'd love to have a go. Really? I, I, I intend on having a go at some point. I must. I'm, really? What yeah. jumping out of a perfectly yeah, functioning aeroplane that's got nothing wrong with it? What is wrong with you? Uh, well, if you fly <laughs> them, you've got to jump out of them at some point. So, no, you know. no, you don't. No, oh, what okay. happens is the pilot does his job. It lands on the ground. and Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I'm the pilot and I want to get out, you know, in a hurry. It's, um, right. Why only... would you want to get out in a hurry? Well, in case the wife is, you know, annoying me. What? Anyway, we'll continue on. <laughs> Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger, walk away from this conversation. <laughs> for those of you who follow us on the face of book, you I would have known that we have a very special guest on the Ooh, show yes, indeed do, this yes. week. And uh, he is uh, the latest addition to the Airline Pilot Guy crew. Oui. And uh, he's also a very, very, very British person indeed. indeed. We're basically stealing every single I one know, slowly I know. over a pro- prolonged period of time, aren't we? He's the, uh, he's the <laughs> king of the air in the UK anyway. Oui. So welcome on to the show, Captain Nick. Yay! Well, hi guys. Lovely to be here. Thank you very That's much. That's a fabulous hat, by the way. <laughs> well, that's actually a question. I don't know if the definition of my camera is up to yours, but it's a question for all those in the chat room. What Ooh. airline uh, hat am I wearing? Oh, cool. Ah. Okay. Yes. It's not, it's, the definition is pretty good. So with a bit of luck, people will... I'm just looking, people will, I'm looking at the flag on now. I'm just yeah. Doing, yeah. That's quite cool. It's okay. Nice hat, All right. Well, there we are. That's that's something for everyone to. Uh, so, welcome, Nick. Thank you very much for uh, taking time out of your uh, your busy, busy day to uh, to join us. What's the uh, what's new in the world of Captain Nick? Well, uh, busy time. Um, we've just come back from Miami, where we did a podcast uh, with the APG yeah. crew. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Loved yeah. it. Uh, quite a remarkable coincidence because I got called out uh, six a.m. unexpectedly 
to uh, act as the third pilot on a flight to Miami, which yeah. means I was filling the role of a first officer who had gone sick, oh. which is fine. I don't mind doing that. It's, be, it's a pretty easy job. Yeah. Uh, but because uh, I'm a captain, I wasn't allowed to be part of the crew that landed or took off. There was already a captain to do that. So the only thing I could do was sit and do the cruise pilot's job, which is actually kind of relaxing because oh. you know, I worked <laughs> for six hours uh, in the middle of the flight and for the rest of the flight I'm back uh, in a spare speed seat, assuming there is one watching yes. uh, movies oh, um terrible. so uh, <laughs> it's a I hard at, life yeah. <laughs> i landed at miami and uh let rick know that i was in and he said well would you believe it captain jess just landed uh a, a few miles up the road actually turned out to be 83 miles up the road right. but we made it <laughs> yeah. so we all joined together uh yeah. and did a podcast from uh, captain jess uh, uh bedroom that sounds a bit dodgy, uh, doesn't no, it? No, no, it's fine. Yeah, we'll just gloss over that and keep moving. Yeah, yeah, it's time to move on. It's from his hotel room, his wow. uh, his portable studio, yes. which was absolutely brilliant to be uh, together with him again. Uh, what, 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 what exactly is it? What exactly is a portable studio again? I mean, if anybody, if I just put the wide shot on for those who are watching on YouTube, I'm not this, entirely this sure how on earth we would make this <laughs> complete wiring. <laughs> well, it is portable in the fact that it arrived by van this morning. Yes, in the transfer van. Uh, <laughs> in the transfer. Well, well, Jeff just has a, a backpack with, uh, I think he's got an add-on bag, which yep. he sort of carries in addition. And everything he seems to need is in there, although he was cursing that he didn't have enough connectors for yeah. uh, different microphones. So we were into the game of sharing mics, right. which is always well, a bit okay. difficult. But uh, no, he does very well. He has all this stuff, cameras and uh, mixers and everything. He carries around with them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're well, going to because we're hoping to do a couple of shows um, one at Farnborough one at Riyadh so yeah, we're, yeah. we're hoping to sort of have a, a sort of knockdown version of what we have in front of us uh, <laughs> a doing, very knockdown <laughs> version yeah. doing something similar uh, <laughs> oh, ourselves and uh, of course we're very excited because of course Farnborough they're, they're hopefully going to be there as well aren't they yeah yeah the APG guys yeah. are uh, uh, hopefully going to be at Farnborough this year and yeah. we're all going to get together and uh, it's going to be Oh, Fantastic! I yeah, I I'm wait. pretty sure they're all going to make it. I don't know how many uh, of the others will be able to join in. Alan, Pip, and uh, hopefully myself. It well, Alan's, Alan's on our schedule. Oh, oh, is he? Oh, yeah, Alan's booked he's him with us. He's, so he's booked him with us at the yeah. hotel. Yeah, at oh, the, is he? Uh, at the, oh, at the, the premier case. travel yeah. in Lodge. I'm probably something. the only one who's going to miss it. I'll probably be somewhere else in the world. <laughs> oh, you never know. You never know. You never know. You never know. You yeah. never know. And, and there's, there might be sort of, you know. Perhaps, perhaps uh, Nick, you, you could fly into Farnborough. <laughs> yeah, bring bring uh, bring the uh, the Airbus right. in there. Okay, perhaps I could. It might be my last trip ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Never allowed. Go out in yeah. style. Yes, what a way to go. Not out of Farnborough. We yeah, eight three forty. They would love that. I'm, I'm getting a bit warm. I'm going to. No, uh, fair enough. Now. Okay. Yes. Last, to, last to be fair, Nick, I think everyone chance. would love it. Actually, now, yes. that, that is definitely um, an Italian. Is it? That's is it right? Flag, okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't give them too many clues. Okay. Has there been any feedback I think that's in the an Italian chat? flag? Well, that's a good spoof. Right. Okay. Ah. Oh. Right. Okay. okay. Uh, has there been any nibbles in the <laughs> chat room with regard to identifying the uh, Matty Fabs just just said that he thinks it's an Italian flag. Does he? Right. Oh, is that um, where? You, oh, you nicked it from Glenn, Matty Fabs. Glenn Towle has put the. He looks like Admiral Admiral Nick. Admiral. <laughs> Quite right. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, naval background at all, sir? No. No. It's it's uh, my father's. So ah. my father was an airline pilot, so that oh, cool. gives you a clue. Oh, ah. right. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, lovely though this is. Now, uh, on a, on a uh, you have you been doing any flying lately? No, I've, I do you know what? I haven't flown since just before Christmas. Have it's you not? really bad. Yeah, I um, the weather's been so atrocious here yeah, over Christmas. Yeah. Um, Windy as well because yeah, uh, yeah. half of our uh, runway at, uh, at Ella is is grass. And all the taxiway is um, most of that is grass, where the air is, and it's Mud, not, it's not <laughs> great at all when the uh, aircraft okay. are taxiing. Right. So I've not yes. been there. I've got two lessons booked for when I get back from Vegas in February. Okay. So the week oh, after yeah. I fly listen, back, listen to him, listeners. You know, name know. dropping. I'm off and, to Vegas. And I might just add, while we've got this this oh, lovely young gentleman in here, that I'm flying with Acme Red. Ooh. To, uh, to Vegas. Very, very so, cool. Yeah. Yes, I have, I have warned the company. Right. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Told them not to take it personally. They have against... your photograph. Yes, <laughs> Absolutely. Looking for you. yes Oh, dear. Yes, I know nothing of this gentleman. Uh, yes, he's, he's the safest My wife will be allowed on. Right, okay. Yes. Well, I think and there that... she will find Nick sitting in the uh, comfortable Splendid. Yes, seating, Absolutely, yeah. taking very good care <laughs> of her, her, her journey, no doubt. Right, uh, right. Anyway, uh, it is time to commence the news. Uh, the news. So uh, yeah. if you you're ready, Carl. I'm certainly ready, uh, and if you're ready, Captain Nick. Uh, I'm always ready. Well, quite right. Quite right. right. It's the only way to go. Uh, so, uh, if you're ready, then, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our weekly rundown of all the latest aviation-related news. <laughs> So kicking off this week's first news story then on the Travel Mole site and the headline Thomas Cook gets new aircraft for long haul expansion. So Thomas Cook Airlines UK will get a 7th A330-200 in May to support their long haul expansion. In addition, four A321s will arrive in the UK uh, in early spring to complete the recent refurbishment of the group's fleet and bring the total of A321s in service to 25. Mm. Thomas Cook will also take delivery of three 767-300ERs for its German operation, uh, where it already has 13 of the Boeing aircraft. A uh, few things articulate growth and customer folks more than the delivery of new aircraft to uh, the fleet, said Thomas Cook, Chief Airlines and Hotels Officer, Christopher Debus. Uh, we're growing excess across the markets in an integrated way that allows us to operate as one virtual airline. We take the best of each market and combine it to create one aligned strong product and service that customers know will mean affordable quality. Our long-haul expansion has allowed us to stamp our mark on the UK and German markets with a great new leisure destinations de uh, designed to uh, pique the interest uh, of our loyal customers and attract new ones. Mm, very cool. now, 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 excuse my na naivety here. I'm going to ask mm. the obvious question for which I will no doubt Far be away. abused for That's why in we're the here. chat room. Uh, is uh, the A330-200. Now, what sort of size craft So the A330-200 is what the Royal Air Force currently uses their military um, tanker and transport aircraft. That's the Voyager, it's, it's called in the Royal Air Force, guys. It's the big... Terribly sorry, rain. ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's just started rain. raining yeah. here, so it's... Uh, and we're in the conservatory, so it could get a bit noisy. So the, <laughs> uh, the A330 is a wide body, so twin right. aisle, so two okay. aisles. And yep. it's normally... Uh, you normally find it in a kind of three, then an aisle, then four, then okay. an aisle, then three seats. Right. As, as a, yeah. kind of a, a big one, then. Yes, yes, yeah. it is very much so. And um, Thomas Cook, obviously, um, they, they've got the quite a good network now and okay. they obviously have the package holiday side of things and that which they're um, 
which is, is, is utilising these sorts of aircraft. But I'm, I'm surprised, actually, they've got these 767-300ERs because they're quite an old aircraft now. Well, well old, but they're you know, relatively old in, yeah. in the scope of things. But, um, oh, the yeah, but much loved. Much I mean, loved. Oh, yeah, definitely. guys who would, uh, you know, give their uh, weight in uh, a lot of things to yeah. Uh, yeah. go back on those. Yeah. Really? I should, I'm flying back on one of those with Delta. Okay. From, from uh, yeah, with, uh, with, yeah, with Acme. Delta. Yeah. Okay, um, and the seven six seven three hundred ER. That's a similar sort of size. As the A three thirty. Yeah, it's not. I don't think they're that dissimilar in size. Right. Wouldn't you say, Nick? They're roughly around about the same size sort of aircraft. The three thirty. Uh, yeah, exactly. That wasn't yeah. the seven six. Now you're going to correct me. Uh, the first of the twin wide bodies, or was that the A three hundred? No, the three. I think the three. No, hold on, though. Was it the three hundred or the seven? Someone in the chat. Someone in the chat room will no doubt know. Absolutely. And here's my other question: which is which is bigger, the A three thirty three hundred or the two hundred? Now, what are the differences mm. between? I know I've asked this question before, but the the the, the one hundred is two hundred. Are they just the series? Newer the models series is, yeah, the different series. Yeah. The, normally, the rule of thumb is the the higher the series, the, yeah. the bigger it is, the more it will hold. Um, so when you, when you go to sort of something like Doctor Steph is in the chat. Oh, Doctor Steph's in the Good chat. Good morning, Doctor oh. Steph. Oh, hi, Hello. Steffi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, the A three hundred came first. Glenn says, ah. uh, which is uh, worth because we've saying. got three hundred. So I'm just curious to know whether the two hundreds, uh, you know, same or smaller or what. Ah, yeah. Which we should, I dare say, the chat room will will, will fill us in all those details. Uh, but with uh, a moment. good good morning, afternoon, good morning, Steph. Oh, Afternoon, I never morning. Tell. I never, I never know. I'm not very good at. I'm not very good at time zones. Anyway, uh, on it's to the, the next early story. Morning. Very early. Yeah, very early. Oh, you know, she's been out for your run yet this morning. Oh, she's probably done fifteen thousand miles this morning. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Anyway, and on she to. She hasn't even broken a sweat. No. no. I know. I, I break out of a sweat getting out of my chair in the morning, let alone anything else. <laughs> <clears throat> but enough about my, my woes. That's uh, right, what she this, said. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is, this, this is a new acronym on me, <laughs> this, this TWSS. I'm so glad somebody explained that to me in the chat room. Uh, anyway, uh, f- can, can I move on? Is that all yes, right? Yes, fine. Thank you, carry thank you very much. On. You carry on. Uh, the next story, this is on Travel Weekly, and the, the headline is EasyJet launches, launches sorry drive to recruit more women pilots. Ooh. This is very exciting. Ooh. Hello, I'm just having to move a keyboard, so just bear with me a moment. Uh, Right, so a a drive to encourage more women to train as commercial airline pilots is being instigated by EasyJet. Women make up only 6% uh, of the new pilot intake, and the airline plans to double this to 12% over the next two years. The proportion of female pilots across the airline sector has remained at around 5% of all pilots for decades. Six new entrant female pilots will have their training loan of around £100,000 underwritten by EasyJet as part of a new EasyJet uh, Amy Johnson flying initiative in partnership with the British Women Pilots Association, the BWPA. Named after the UK's most well-known and inspirational female pilots who flew solo to Australia in 1930, the initiative marks the 75th anniversary of her death. It was launched by Transport Secretary Patrick McLaughlin. Is it McLaughlin? McLaughlin, yeah. Uh, alongside the government's new transport infrastructure skills strategy, which aims to attract more women to into the roles of transport. The carrier expects to recruit 1,140 crew in this financial year, with a split of approximately 830 cabin crew and 310 pilots. The airline will also promote 200 cabin crew to uh, to cabin managers. 
and 140 co-pilots to captains. EasyJet opened a £2.7 million training academy at Gatwick last year to provide 60% of training for crews from across Europe, with the remainder being delivered at the airline's existing training facility in Luton. The airline has also committed to provide additional support to develop and retain female pilots so that more of them can go on to achieve captaincy and pilot management roles. Enhanced mentoring for female pilots will be introduced in addition to current mentoring for all pilots. Loan guarantees will be offered for Airbus A320 type ratings for female pilots joining from other airlines. Uh, female captains will also have career development so they can take on leadership roles such as training and base management roles. EasyJet Head of Flight Operations Brian Tyrrell said, we are committed to encouraging more women to consider a career as a pilot and the EasyJet, and the EasyJet Amy Johnson Flying Initiative is one important way of enabling some women who may not have been able to consider it before to undertake training and start uh, what is a very rewarding career for life. British Women Pilots Association Chairman Julie Westhorpe said, we believe this will make a real difference in support the entry of more young women onto a career path where a significant barrier to entry has been financial, not aptitude. The, B, the, the BWPA supports EasyJet's aim to recruit the best of the best to sustain the high standards in the industry. The BWPA has every confidence that this initiative will be a success and we sincerely hope that it will become best practice uh, in the industry as a whole. That's an interesting story. It's a good actually. story. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, we we do have actually have a young lady pilot in the chat room, don't we? With Doctor yes, Steph, that's she's true. in there. She's uh, she's a she's got her license and yeah. stuff. Uh, have you got many uh, female pilots in uh, Acme Red, then, Nick? Yeah, yeah, quite a few. Um, and uh, I don't think there's been any barrier. Uh, certainly uh, in our company, to uh, female pilots joining, and but this is kind of. Um, a bit of a revelation, isn't it, that mm. in the past perhaps there have been barriers to having women in aviation. Uh, and um, it's nice to see any pilots being uh, given yeah. more of an opportunity to get into the industry. Mm. Uh, and perhaps it's time we uh, try to even the balance. But I'm hoping that that generation of senior managers and uh, senior pilots in the industry are retiring now and mm. we get a, a, a truly... Um, unbiased uh, recruitment yeah. attitude towards uh, pilots. If you're good enough to be a pilot and you have the skill, aptitude, and more importantly, the drive to become an, an airline pilot, anybody should uh, get the opportunity. And I include uh, people with uh, disabilities as well as, um, you know, regarding your sex or your yeah. orientation or anything. I think, I, I still think actually one of the biggest barriers um, to, to anyone doing this thing is the cost, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I, I do think that, I mean, I, I don't know how you could bring down the cost of, of doing something like this. I mean, that, that is the real well, issue. You, you, yeah, yeah it's, it's so hard. I mean, it's the cost of um, buying a house. Mm, uh, so it's absolutely. like taking out a mortgage to become an airline pilot. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and it's very hard to pay that back, particularly, mm. particularly in your initial roles when you're working for a yeah. regional carrier and getting a very low wage as a first officer. I mean, we've been hearing about junior doctors whinging about yeah. their lot. It's even worse for airline pilots. So, yeah. uh, uh, And they work 365 mm. days of the year, 24 hours a day if required. Yeah. So there's... Uh, Always you know, on call, essentially. Yeah. You hear, you hear about a lot of pilot, pilot programs, um, Nick. Do, do uh, Virgin have, have, a, have a, a pilot program as such to help 
you know, well, we've just started one uh, because we recognize that uh, the retirement hump is coming and it's coming quite fast. Mm. Uh, and Web will be losing an awful lot of uh, very experienced pilots. So we have indeed started a cadet program where uh, we're taking people uh, with, you know, no experience at all and training them all the way through. Um, now, my only problem with that is we're uh, an exclusively long haul airline and so once you get online it's very hard to build up um, handling experience with the l small amounts of uh, handled flying that uh, you get an opportunity to do uh, yeah. you're only flying three or four trips a month whereas short haul are doing that in a day yeah. uh, and um, I personally think it's much better um, to build up skills yeah. for an airline pilot to start off in a short haul and gain those basic skills mm. flying every day doing lots of sectors lots of landings yeah. and then move on when they get old and tired like me <laughs> but, <laughs> to the long haul world i mean one of my one of my friends is he's a massive uh, he's always been an airplane you know geek he's done his he's he's done he's done all his flying he's done his commercial he's got his certificate and all that kind of thing and then uh, even then he's sort of been struggling with his typewriting you know he sort of reached the final hurdle if you like and it's just sort of he's he's got all these skills but nobody will give give him the chance to actually mm. Um, you know, sort of well, do his type rating, and that's the trouble Stuart's got, isn't it? He's got yep. his, he, you know, he got, he's got his commercial parts yeah. license, yeah. And this, 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 this is the guy who flies our um, parachute plane here, yeah. uh, Nick, just up the road from where mm. I'm learning to fly. Yeah. And um, you know, he, he's done all his, he's, done, you know, he's been flying for years, got his yeah. license in South Africa, and he, and like I said, he flies a Cessna caravan at the moment. And airlines, because he's not got. Well, he's got quite a few hours in his book. I know he has, oh, but because yeah. he's not got, I think, what the limit or the the um, minimum is now. But he's building his hours up, flying the uh, the the caravan yeah. and uh, doing other. He, I mean, he's training me now. He's he's now my yeah, instructor now as well. He's, he's yeah. got a CFI. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he's you know he's struggling to get in, you know, yeah. his foot in the door. Without oh, that's always the hardest thing. Yeah. Uh, and you really need an airline to pay for your type rating. I mean, when I joined Acme Red, uh, I was out of the Air Force, so I had the hours and the yeah. jet time. Mm -hmm. um, and they gave me a type rating. Yeah. And that's the way a lot of airlines would do it. And it's purely down to uh, needs must. If they've got an air, a type, yes. and there aren't enough type rated pilots out there, they will pay for your mm. type rating. Unless yeah. it's someone like Ryanair, who yeah. seems to be able to charge yeah. everything for everyone. I mean, it costs yeah. to put your your application in isn't it? I don't know but uh, no, they're a bit of a nightmare as I say I feel, I feel for my friend because he is he's he's obsessed by airplanes he always has been and he's got he's got so far he's literally got to the he's got as far as he can get if you like without yeah. so and it seems strange when you hear stories about pilot shortages and that kind oh, yeah. of thing you, yeah. you, you think how is it because I mean he's he's a youngster he's he's what not even 30 you know you'd have thought there'd be or is that too old these days. I don't know. No, I mean, no, you'd think no, be... no, 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 no. So uh, there was a story we uh, run in the APG about mm. a pilot who was 67 when oh, he wow. took up yeah. flying, yeah. and uh, he's flying into his 70s, and he's just been made a captain. Mm. So uh, now, admittedly, that's uh, not in an airline as such because he would be too old. This is in the states, so yeah. he's under some kind of uh, rule. Um, Steph would probably remind me what it's called, yeah. where they can uh, fly. Uh, I think private charters or something if uh, at an older age but the fact is he he did it he managed it uh, yeah. because he finished his job as a, being a doctor and he wanted to do something else 
Yeah, yeah. Pips uh, just put in the chat room. Pips on there. He just said uh, airline recruitment in Europe is all backwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's uh, rather uh, upset by that. And yeah. uh, Doctor Steph's put sounds a lot different f- uh, than the what the regionals are doing mm. here in the US. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, they're, uh, they're recruiting like yeah. crazy. Yeah. There's a lot of changes that I think they could make to um, to training or to, to how things are uh, done. But yeah, uh, yeah. Glenn's saying, don't they have to buy their uniforms? And actually, Ryanair, with, do. With Ryanair, yeah, Ryanair they do yeah. actually have to even buy their own uniforms. Although uh, we read a story, didn't we, last week where they were changing they were changing that slightly, uh, where that you know that they would get free uniforms. Um, yeah, we ran a story last yeah, week. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So the next story is yes. all yours, Nick, and that's on the Telegraph. This one. Oh, so it is. Uh, I didn't know you had telegraphs still. Um, <laughs> London, oh, no. London to Los Angeles flight turns back to Heathrow after mystery illness. Oh, my heavens. Um, American Airlines. Well, they're a fine airline. Uh, flight diverted to Heathrow rather than landing at Keflavik um, after one person reported to have collapsed and then others fell ill. Oh, Oh, dear. It's Dr. Steph. I'm so glad she's in the chat room. (laughs) A London to LA flight was forced (laughs) to turn back to Heathrow after an airborne emergency, which saw several passengers and crew struck down by a mystery illness. Wow. You know, there's a story about a whole bunch of nuns that uh, started mewing. Family family show, family show. (laughs) No, no, serious. It was was one of those uh, mass uh, uh, hysteric Oh, right. Yes. I mean, there's all sorts of stories like that. I'm not suggesting this was it. No, no, no. It sort of rang a bell. Um, the aircraft of Boeing 777. And why on earth did you think I was going to say something? Really no, I don't know. I don't know. He's just, uh, admittedly, this is the first time I've actually had the privilege of speaking to you, sir. But uh, I have to say my spidey sense is tingling an awful lot with the, oh, with the fear of where oh, this may go. It, anyway, good, good, good. Um, Boeing 777 <laughs> with 188 passengers, so a quiet day. Mm, and right. on board was already southwest of Ireland, so he was halfway across the pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the decision, uh, by the way, uh, this isn't all being written by the Times. I'm adding a few bits in here. Okay, no, um, <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> we we, we encourage a little was, active ad libbing. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Good. Was taken. Uh, the decision was taken to invite the aircraft back to Heathrow rather than landing at Keflavik. Okay, so it was quite close to go. It's interesting. Um, uh, on landing at Heathrow, luggage was taken away for inspection without explanation. Well, they probably want to search that and see if there was something dubious yeah. in it. Uh, one member of the crew fainted and five others complained of feeling unwell, as did up to three passengers. Up to three passengers. <laughs> right. Alan Gray, 41, a passenger on the flight, said he saw a flight lieutenant uh, attendant. I nearly said flight lieutenant there. Uh, a flight attendant collapse. Oh, it was my. at the point that the captain said he was turning the plane around. He said he... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, the captain's turning around. I'm going to collapse. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Is, is, is this the risk of a story, uh, and we see this a lot in the media, where the media are being a little bit unnecessarily sensational? Uh, I mean, oh, one of the lines there where you say, up to three passengers were feeling unwell. I mean, it's uh, well, it was either three passengers or it was just like, yeah, it's yeah, like essentially, no, no. we don't know. Let's make it sensational. Yeah. yeah, I think you're probably right. Well, you've got to make it a story, even if it's not. Uh, mm. He said he wasn't willing to take the risk to keep, the, keep going, fair enough, and hadn't got the crew to do it. Well, yeah, if you lose, um, you know, a certain number of cabin crew, yeah. then it does become unsafe because mm. uh, you yeah. haven't got sufficient in case there is an emergency on landing to man the doors. Yes, of course. So uh, there it becomes a problem. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's what Mr. Gray reported yeah. to uh, mail. The mail that, that's always a comforting sign as well. 
exactly right. Quality now, journalism. Yeah. trying to increase your blood pressure. Yeah. Um, the, the plane was given an escort as it taxed it back to the terminal mm. at Heathrow. I thought for a second they were going to have a, a typhoon on its wing, but right. I don't suppose that was happening at Heathrow. Yeah. Maybe a thunderclown, um, you know, something exciting. Yeah. <laughs> when we landed, there were police cars, ambulance and firefighters who right. escorted us down the runway. We were then held for 45 minutes before docking. Oh, hmm. okay. <laughs> Sounds more like Sawyer's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mr. No. Gray added, eventually we did dock. There was only one person who came on and yeah. he was monitoring the air. Mm. Right, or seeing okay. if there was still some there, something air. I guess they had something <laughs> to sniff it. the air. <laughs> yes, I, said, I think they're just checking. I think they were checking to make sure there wasn't anything airborne. Perhaps there was something in the air conditioning system. I think, in, in their defence, perhaps. Um, I think you're probably right, but yes. the air conditioning system would have. Uh, well, yeah, it replenishes at quite a rate. So right, so it would have whatever was there would have gone essentially. I would have thought so. Yeah. Yes, because it happened uh, up over or no, near Kerslavik. Yeah. Anyway, uh, rather than land at uh, oh, they are saying here the spokesman for American Airlines right. said the decision to turn to London, which was more than a thousand miles away, rather than land at Iceland, was taken by the cabin crew. Well, that sounds very odd. The what, cabin crew. Why, why would the cabin crew have us? The uh, ideal person to ask there. Yeah, opinion. so so I, well, I assume there. Am I dreaming this? I, surely that decision wouldn't be made by the cabin crew. Maybe maybe a request to to find somewhere to land because you've got unwell passengers uh, may may have come from the cabin crew. Uh, am I am I misreading this correctly? No, you're not misreading this at all. The cabin crew don't make that decision. It's no. entirely the captain's decision as to whether to divert an airplane or not. And I must admit, I'm a bit. Uh, bemused because Keflavik is not some remote uh, and very small place in like northern Canada where there no. is, uh, you know, very few medical s uh, facilities. Yeah. It is a, a thriving metropolis, and, and, uh, and, and I would, would have thought that it would be big enough to take an aircraft of that size, so it won't be. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't. It wouldn't oh, yeah. be uh, exactly. It's it's probably the most common mid Atlantic diversion airfield for really? all the aircraft going across. So it'll take seven fours, three eighties, and upwards. I'm guessing three eighties. I'm pretty sure they would, yeah. and upwards. So it was a long way to go back. Yeah. I'm just wondering. So about all it. seems a bit strange, doesn't it? I don't think we've got enough information with regard to this story, and it sounds, as usual, like some quality journalism by one of our mm. tabloid newspapers. Have uh, you have you uh, have you ever had the um, had the need to 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 divert due to uh, health problems, Nick? Passengers. No, 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 no. The the only diversion I've ever had to do in twenty one years was uh, because of weather. So uh, yeah, you know, right, Gosh. we were heading to New York. It was taken out by thunderstorms, as were all the surrounding airfields. They shut down the whole area, and wow. we just popped into Boston. Ran out of crew duty time, and yeah. the passengers were bussed to JFK. <laughs> Blind. I shouldn't laugh. That that sounds like quite a long way, is it? Uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, about eight yeah, hours okay. on a bus. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Not good. Oh, no. considering we were like five hours late leaving London, they right. weren't best pleased. No. Well, they, but again, safety. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, we 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 couldn't carry on, and there wasn't a crew to uh, mm. take the aircraft on. Right. Uh, so that's you know you're, you're stuck. That's it. You've, you've got you've got to adhere to the rules whether whether the passenger likes it or not really exactly right every sympathy in the world and yeah. we, we were laughing a little bit but no uh there, there, no way we could take the aircraft no of course so, no, 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 no. Yeah. absolutely yes so next story on the travel weekly site this one the headline qatar airways uh, considers world's longest flight uh -oh. <laughs> so the world's longest flight 
18 and a half hours non-stop from the Middle East to New Zealand is being considered by Qatar Airways. The 9,034-mile journey would exceed Ooh. the world's current longest flight, operated by Qantas, a 8,578-mile flight between Sydney and Dallas, which takes 16 hours and 55 minutes. Emirates is set to eclipse Qantas with this, uh, in the spring with a new route from Dubai to Panama City, taking 17 hours and 35 minutes. Goodness. Singapore Airlines ran a flight of 18 hours, 50 minutes from Singapore to New York, but uh, this was withdrawn in 2013. Uh, Singapore uh, is International Airlines is considering resuming the service. The Doha-Auckland service is being considered by Qatar Airways alongside a service between Doha and Santiago in Chile. Uh, coming in at nearly 9,000 miles. The service will be flown by the long-range Boeing 777s, carrying 259 passengers with the Auckland route tipped to start next September. Uh, Qatar Chief Executive Akbar Al-Baker revealed plans for the ultra-long haul in an interview with Bloomberg Business at last week's Bahrain Air Show. Mm. Wow, that is a, mm. one heck of a long flight. I don't so know. it's just a case of uh, mine's bigger than yours. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, indeed, now, I'm I, sure I, it is. It's, they just want it's kind of a blue ribbon thing, isn't it, to have the longest flight? Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure that's what it, it doesn't sound like a, a terribly a profitable route mm, to no. do that in huge journey. It is, yeah, and it can't be cheap. Uh, I mean, the, the it must be maximum fuel, I'd imagine, Nick, on on the aircraft for that. You know, coming on the story here. I mean, it's got. I think that's a that's a three forty on the picture. Uh, mm. Which is on this story. Um, on Does it so it is. Yeah. Does it say what craft they'd be using? Well, it's a triple oh, seven. seven. Yeah, triple yeah, seven. Um, okay. I mean, I, I can't. And I know I'm going to get mocked for this, and I always do every time I I mention my my fear of flying. Um, but uh, I, I can't. This 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 fits into the category of nightmare. I can't think of anything more. I'd love it. Really? Bit of bit. I'd I don't love know. It I, if, if if I was in business class or something, maybe the eighteen nice, and a half yeah. hours would feel. Slightly less horrific, but you know, if if you're crammed right up to the person in front of you for for eighteen and a half hours, I, I think if you're going to go that sort of that sort of length of flight, you mm. would definitely have to, you know, go the extra mile and 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 go in in a premium economy. However much cabin. is that going to cost? I can't. Well, know. actually, surprisingly, they they rarely give the real cost of these flights to the passengers because right. uh, you'll find it's a comparative cost to uh, a, a, res a shorter journey. Um, because if you gave the true cost of carrying that amount of fuel and uh, leaving, you know, not being able to take lots of cargo and all the other mm. things that you have to leave behind when you've got to cram the airplane with fuel, yeah. uh, it would make that. Um, a flight prohibitively expensive right. so they're going to offset the cost of that almost okay. certainly against their normal profits from other routes right just, just, just as you say again because the blue ribbon thing of essentially you know we we, we operate the longest longest commercial flight mm. and and hope I that think that's, that's enough. part of it yeah, yeah absolutely it just seems a very uh, odd um route as well i mean singapore new york i can understand that working well because mm. uh, you know that's that would be a common route but uh, even that I mean that obviously Singapore discovered it was cheaper to uh, you know, stage it through somewhere else, uh, yeah. and that I'm sure will be the case. Qatar will go eventually. Ah, oh, we can't keep this going for long. Yeah. What's the What's the longest flight you do, Nick? 
total longest flight uh, that you Oh, do. it would be uh, the Hong Kong, I guess. Uh, and that, um, depending on the winds, it's coming home would be the longest. But it's only about 11 hours. 11 it hours. used to be about 14 hours coming home. But nowadays, yeah. we can go direct route through China and uh, Russia. Cool. But in the old days, we used to face the subtropical tropical jet stream heading yeah. uh, west um, on a more southerly route through... Um, uh, let me see, uh, Vietnam and uh, northern India, and then uh, curling up uh, through Turkey. Uh, and that made it very long. In fact, it's, at times, it was more than the aircraft's endurance. Uh, so uh, they used to um, turn us the opposite direction uh, and route us up north, almost, uh, over Japan, and then curve us round uh, to the west eventually once uh, you ended up over Siberia and yeah. um, and then you'd come home without those strong headwinds even though it was many 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 miles longer you could just about do it wow wow hmm. crazy stuff anyway on to the very next story uh, this is oh a, a, a personal favorite newspaper of mine the daily mail therefore it must be true uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is the headline is fancy a pay rise wills the Queen is advertising for a new helicopter. Sorry, I've got my advertising voice on. I do apologise. <laughs> yes, yes. Fancy a pay rise, Wills. The Queen is advertising for a new helicopter pilot and is offering a salary of up to £80,000 a year. Wow. Yes, indeed. Double what Prince William currently earns. Uh, Prince William, oh, bless him, he must be so poor. I mean, it must be a real struggle for him. Uh, right, uh, Prince William uh, may think that he is entitled uh, for a pay rise after the Queen posted a job advert for a helicopter pilot with a salary double of what the of what rescue pilot Wills is getting. The British Monarchy website is currently advertising the role, offering up to £78,500 a year for, a, for the successful candidate to, to, who will be tasked with transporting the Queen across the country. The royal family itself has several helicopter pilots in its ranks, most notably Prince William, who serves as an air ambulance pilot here in the East Anglia. The future king, a former RIF search and rescue pilot, is paid a salary of just £40,000 a year for the role, all of which he donates to charity after tax. Uh, unsurprisingly, the advert calls for applicants to have high levels of attention to detail and time management skills, uh, while VVIP, very, very important person experience, is highly desirable. <laughs> the post adds the Queen's helicopter flight, the uh, TQHF, consists of a small team of pilots and ground support, uh, providing the highest standard of helicopter service to members of the royal family on official engagements. Joining the team, you will take on the role of either co-pilot or aircraft commander operating a Sikorsky S76C++ helicopter or an Augusta Westland 109S. You will be responsible for the planning and safe execution of flights in accordance with TQHF operations manual. With extensive flying experience, you'll hold a CPLH uh, with instrument rating and a Class 1 Medical S-76C++ and an AW109S type ratings and corporate VVIP experience are also highly desirable with high levels of attention to detail and time management skills. You're capable of planning accurate flight plans and are driven to operate consistently to the highest standard. I wonder if, I wonder if Prince William has actually taken his granny out anywhere in the helicopter surely that i mean you know if he wants to go and have a a play in a helicopter surely that's that's okay isn't it i can't imagine that they would say no 
<laughs> Anyone else I, listening? Is it job. just me? Sorry, I, I <laughs> sorry I'm just not. I'm in the chat room. Because you're putting the current monarch and the second in line in oh, the same airplane. Yes, no, I hadn't mm. thought of that. Does actually go, hmm, well, if that weren't quite to, to mm. end happily, um, not only as uh, you've got to blame the yes. second in line, yeah. you've just lost your monarch as well. That's true, yes. So I would have thought that might not be uh, the way to go. That, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. It's actually not travelling together. Not, not bad pay, though. It's you not know, bad pay. Seventy-eight thousand five hundred. I think pounds that's probably year. for the skipper because they do let's yeah. say later on that uh, fifty-five and a half would probably be for, I yeah. guess, for the uh, the FO. Um, yeah. But that's the reason. That's that's not actually a huge amount of pay for uh, a skipper doing what would be a very prestigious <laughs> job like that. I think if he goes and flies VVIPs yeah. around in uh, aircraft in the Middle East for royal families out there you'll get paid you'll an, get awful an awful lot, lot more. more yeah that's true yeah i, uh, I mean that's... i mean i mean that that eighty thousand sort of um price or you know that uh, mark there i mean that's only you know that's only half of what uh, acme red pilots are on so that's not, not too bad I suppose, <laughs> hello yeah. let me think about that <laughs> once again family shape yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's certainly a lot more than, than than what humble coach drivers get i can assure you of that yes. yeah. <laughs> although that's entirely unfair i think humble coach drivers ought to get a lot more well I, do you know I, I'm, I'm warming to you as each hour <laughs> passes it's just more and more yeah i'm I, thinking however that It'd be a lot cheaper to get a service pilot to do this. It might. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd imagine they probably will, Nick. They'll, I mean, yeah. there'll, there'll be some someone from the Royal Air Force yeah. pop in and do this job. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, As Dr. Steph has put in the chat room. She's put seems a little on the low side of pay. Oh, does it? Mm. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, Dr. Steph. I mean, she's on. She's on on a million dollars. On a, dollar, on a million an dollars a week. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, quite right. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm sure there's some perks that go along with it as well. I mean, you could. You pat the corgis and lovely, uh, yes. <laughs> trying to think what else you could have. Uh, you can eat swans, can't you? If uh, no, or, or is that only Queenie? Well, yes, I have actually. Oh, oh, hello. Uh, yes. Oh. Uh, you, so long as you uh, make an application to the royal butcher, I suppose he <laughs> right. would be. Okay. Uh, and they, because they do cull the swans, and oh. they don't just throw them away. Well, no. Uh, you can uh, you can have uh, one for your barbecue. Well, do you know? I never thought that in the Plain Talking UK podcast we would be discussing. Uh, culinary delights uh, <laughs> this this is an unexpected and s- eating swan it is it is one oh, of the few meats that i would really uh, I, because it's forbidden i think that's what it is is that you think i want to try it because it's not allowed <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm there you go i'm sorry to disappoint you yes. it is allowed and uh, i have and it's quite uh, rich flavored very good. gamey but I, like uh, I like rich i like rich rich is rich is good Anyway, it's, it's on the Acme Red menu. Is it for their yes. upper class? Absolutely, yeah. I'm quite right. You're first class, darling. Yes. yes. So uh, the next story then is all yours, Nick, and it's a very special story just for you. Oh, I see. Oh, I see the uh, word pictures. Does that mean I've got to get busy over here? Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. This is uh, Sri Lankan Airlines retires. Ah, oh, they've retired their last three forty. Uh, so um, they're retiring the last 340-300 after 21 years of service. Well, we retired our last one a little while ago, so I know that how that feels. Um, what a great beast, except the engines were just oh, oh, a bit sad. And what, what, um, were, what the, were the engines? Uh, CFM 56, and the first one we got was the variant C2, which mm. was like having four hair dryers. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. So upset with us because uh, Max Chat, we could 
we could never make the height constraints on the departures really? without keeping the speed back and climbing out in sort of with still flap still down. Gosh. And they were expecting us to accelerate like everybody else did. And we're going, well, we can't. <laughs> we can either climb or we can accelerate, yeah. but we can't do we both. We can't do both. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, we can just get so off the ground the, and get up to speed and then lift. On yeah. the type operator this last flight on the, uh, oh dear. Um, Shenia, Shen, Shenai, 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 Shenai. We'll go with Shenai. Is Shenai? Oh, well, okay. Shenai Colombo route on the seventh of January said the One World Alliance carrier. Mm. All nice pictures of the crew. Yes, indeed. We'll pop Uh, that. That's going to be a management pilot, I bet. Right. Um, They're the only pilots (laughs) that ever have their pitch and taker. And notice there are two captains, and I can't see a single first officer. (laughs) Oh oh dear! Hang on! Hang on! Let's study the uniform. No. <laughs> no, indeed. Okay. No, I yeah. right. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, do you know? So, I'm, I'm noticing certain undercasms of sarcasm in some of the things you're saying, uh, <laughs> Captain Nick. I, I, you know, I, I you know, you've, <laughs> I do worry for you. Oh, well, that, that's <laughs> being a poor old line pilot. Oh, fair enough. Anyway, the uh, A340s, which were first delivered in September '94, that's about the time we got ours, um, our first one. So that's oh. when I joined Acme Red with their first uh, 340s, flown it ever since. Um, they replaced the aircraft, or they at that time replaced the airline's long-service Lockheed L-1011 Tri-Star. And now I know why that um, story has appeared in this week's news. No, it's not just because of that. (laughs) Because you're obsessed with that aeroplane. Well, look at the Death Star. Are you joking? (laughs) Car easy, Nick. (laughs) You'll upset him. Just this tanker that was. Oh, I I did say tanker, I promise you. (laughs) The, uh, oh, it's, it's descended the into anarchy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, right. Now, why to... was it a useless tanker? Oh, I nearly made a slip there. Yeah, because the... because the uh, the um, hoses they had two of were both uh, coming out of the fuselage, which means it could only refuel one aircraft at a time. Ooh. Which, when you stuck it out uh, <laughs> on a tanker tow line, and you got an eight ship of. Thirsty fighters pitching up yeah. was no use at all. Okay, uh, uh, Carlos is currently sulking. That. By the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the airline mind. adds that as well as operating passenger services, the type was also used to uh, transport aid to Sri Lanka after the Indian Ocean uh, tsunami disaster in two thousand and four. Well, that's brilliant, actually, because uh, that was a disaster and a half. Flight Global's fleet. Fleet's Analyzer database wow, shows that Sri Lankan operated seven Airbus A340-300s at its peak. Mm. The airline progressively wound down its fleet during 2015 as more 330-300s, which are basically the same airplane uh, without the center gear. Uh, so it has slightly a lower takeoff weight. Uh, And, of course, uh, only two donks. Uh, uh, fleet analyzer also showed that the airline also had seven three fifty nine hundreds on order. Oh, what a lovely airplane! <laughs> uh, and two A three twenty ones. Oh, Captain Al likes them, so I suppose. Yeah. Stop it! Yeah. Stop mm. offending everyone, <laughs> <Yeah>. please. <laughs> he's not listening anymore. I think. Captain oh, is he not? Oh, is he? No, thank goodness no. he's busy. Oh dear, never mind. So no, the, it's a super airplane, the three. Uh, the 340. Uh, it just it just took forever to get to altitude. Once it was there, hugely uh, fuel mm. efficient. 
but uh, climbing out of Hong Kong on a hot day, I remember we were just trying to climb up into Chinese airspace, flight level 395, I think, was our uh, cruising altitude. Mm. Uh, and it, it, an hour and 45 minutes it took us to get yeah. No, that's um, a long time. By the way, I apologise for all the barking. Uh, the Mrs. Old Pilot's just come back with the shopping. Ah, right. Ah, Excellent, yes. Good. Looking forward to his treat then, no doubt. <laughs> yes. there, are three, there are three of them out there. So right, yes. okay. She, she's got you plenty of uh, bottles of real aisle for this evening. Oh, a bit of real. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the shopping list. Well done. Oh, dear. Anyway, on to the next story then. And this one is on Flight Global. And the headline, A380s and A350-1000s among 118 jets for Iran Air. So Iran Air has signed an acquisition agreement with Airbus covering extensive fleet modernization, including 12 A380s and 16 A350-1000s. The plan also features 45 A330s, uh, of which 18 are the re-engined Dash 900 Neo version. New engine option. Yeah! Well done. <laughs> in addition to the 73 long-haul jets, uh, Iran Air is also intending to take 45 single-aisle aircraft, including 24 A320 Neos. Uh, no engine selection has been disclosed, although the A350s and A330 Neos are available only with the Rolls-Royce power plants. Airbus says the 118 aircraft agreement was signed by Iran Air Chief Fahed Parvesh. Uh, Pavesh says the deal is the start of re-establishing our civil aviation sector into the envy of the region. Iranian authorities had previously signalled that Airbus would supply 114 aircraft to the country's operators following the lifting of sanctions which had blocked mm. a fleet renewal for decades. Yes, I'm just going to uh, say there is that Steph, Steph has just put in the chat room, which has really made me laugh in the fact that her dog is laughing to uh, is, is barking at your dog, <laughs> uh, which is uh, has amused me. That's why I was laughing to myself during that. It wasn't an amusing story. I'm sorry, I was distracted by the chat room. <laughs> I- so, getting back to the job Sorry. at hand. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's an aviation show, isn't it? I Sorry. know, I yeah. know. <laughs> woof, woof. <laughs> woof, woof. Indeed. That's what she said. Oh. Anyway, the, uh, this, I mean, if they get all the Iran Air are going to have a really young fleet if they get all these yep. new aircraft. You know, mm. One of the newest fleets in the, in the world, I think, if they get all these uh, lovely shiny well, aircraft. Well, I suppose I, they've, 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 the restrictions have been in place for quite a prolonged period of time, haven't they? So perhaps it's more because <laughs> it looks like they're, you know, sort of fulfilling lots of orders, but that's only because they're only just been allowed to, maybe. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Matty Fab is just disappearing. The Boeing and Airbus must be rubbing their hands in glee at yeah. the chance of getting this, and yeah. uh, they're going to be fighting tooth and nail for the big orders. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. But the 380, 380s had started to, uh, to to sort of slow down a bit, hadn't they, Nick, with the uh, not many operators taking the, the big... Oh. Exactly, decade. but uh, now that fuel has sort of taken a dive and uh, across Iran sort of pumps its own, yeah. so um, yeah. they yeah. won't be too concerned about that. No, no, they won't. Like mm-hmm. uh, Emirates, uh, you know, push mm-hmm. comes to shove, they can just uh, put their own gas into mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Uh, so they, fuel consumption and f- efficiency isn't so important, no, perhaps. Not, not, not like us where we have to sort of ship everything in. It's, uh, mm. Exactly, and yeah. pay through the, uh, pay through uh, the, the nose. nose for it. Yeah. 
So next story. Uh, Next story, yes. Uh, This is on Flight Global, and it's a picture story, so this could be fun um, as I try and do two things at once. Uh, Picture is Alaska unveils new livery and brand. Alaska Airlines has unveiled the first major update to its branding in over 25 years, rolling out a Boeing 737-800 adorned with a new blue and green livery and featuring an updated logo. Uh, The company also saw... Um, uh, sorry, the company also updated its website with the new brand, part of a project that has been underway for one year and will likely take another year to fully implement, says Seattle, the Seattle-based carrier. Uh, our company has a unique personality and a vibrant spirit that our Eskimo has uh, personified for almost a century, said Alaska Airlines uh, Chief Executive Brad Tilden in a media release. We believe our refreshed look... Uh, reflects the warm relationships our employees have built with our customers and makes us stand out as a compelling and consistent way uh, in a sorry in a compelling and consistent way as we expand into new markets build loyalty and attract new customers the company has also updated branding at 41 gates at its seattle tacoma is it tacoma 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 yeah. airport hub it says the eskimo icon that has adorned alaska's aircraft since 1972 remains although it is now born Bordered with a green and blue uh, reminiscent of the tropical regions Alaska serves, including Hawaii and Costa Rica, the carrier says. Alaska says uh, it will have an additional four 737s painted with the new logo in its fleet by the end of February and a total of 40 aircraft in the new colours by the end of the year. The company will have its new brand displayed within one year of all of within one year at all 111 airports it serves the carrier has also said we've taken a cost conscious approach to rolling out the updates in terms of changing the liveries we plan to repaint planes when they are scheduled Uh, it it will likely take three to four years to complete this refresh brand rollout says Alaska's vice president of marketing Sanjina Warner but then I suppose uh, you know if you've you've, uh, been having the same livery essentially since 1970 something or other then perhaps Time is not an issue as far as the. I've concerned. always liked Alaska's liver with the, with mm, the Eskimo right. on the tail. It's yeah, really good. Absolutely. And I mean, they were found. Alaska um, were founded in 1932. They started off life as McGee Airways. Wow. Um, they weren't uh, branded as Alaska Airlines until June 1944. Gosh, that's when they were branded then. as yeah. Alaska Airlines. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm just looking at that, thinking that is a load of management speak. <laughs> and we believe our refreshed look reflects right. the warm relationships our employees have built with customers. How does painting your airplane in a different colour reflect <laughs> the relationship with your employees and customers? And it, to me, it looks like the same with a few bits of green and blue yeah. stuck on. I mean, yeah, it's the same face on the telly. Almost... Or perhaps he's smiling this time. The perhaps. old one did look a bit grumpy, didn't he? <laughs> perhaps that's why. Perhaps that's yeah, why somebody's told you. them, you know, your escrow always looks miserable. And Although it actually took me a couple of years before I worked out it was a bloke's face. It was I mean on the old <laughs> yes. I mean I looked at it and went what the strange yeah, looking unusual markings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they used to... actually looks like um an Eskimo. Are you are you allowed to say Eskimo? I thought you had to call them like something <gasps> Ooh, different like native uh, you know person. I don't know. <laughs> native to the camp. The... That's what they call yeah, they call it on their Eskimo um, was on their really Eskimo. PC but obviously mm. they're, they're Alaska so they're probably allowed to say that. Well yes. Yes. That's, they used that's... to fly they used to fly the DC3 the Donald Duck the uh, Douglas DC3. The Donald Duck. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nick. <laughs> 
Trying to, oh. God, blimey. Oh, oh dear. Oh, dear, the YouTube feed's breaking up. No, it's up. fine. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, it's a nice try. It's the joys of me being in charge of these things and not you. <laughs> right, so the next story yes. Yes. is Captain Nick's. Ah, well, this is uh, ANA, all uh, Nippon Airways. Uh, so, well, it was tried probably on the APG, so insist on calling it Al Nippon Airways. And right. Again, what? <laughs> Al, what's Al? <laughs> Al Nippon? Yeah. Captain He's... Al Nippon Airways. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Quite right, yes. One day, hey. <laughs> has confirmed that it has ordered three Airbus A380s. Oh, God, what are those monsters? <laughs> that will be used on uh, its Tokyo Honolulu route. Mm. And say that after a few days. No, no, absolutely. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Company ANA Holdings, I wonder what they hold, says in a statement that the aircraft will be used to strengthen its position in the leisure and resort markets. In other words, they're better carrying more people. The A380 allows us to efficiently expand the seating capacity at a lower cost per seat while offering a flexible range of cabin classes. Well, haven't they already got a flexible range of cabin classes? You mean you could have more cabin classes in a 380? You, <laughs> I don't know. doesn't yeah. really make sense. However, no. ANA says that the aircraft are scheduled, uh, sorry, are being acquired around uh, 150 billion yen, mm, which is uh, US dollars, 1.2 billion. That is an awful lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and will be delivered uh, during 2018-19 fiscal years. And the order is part of the carrier's latest medium-term corporate strategy. Oh, I love all this speak. It's <laughs> <laughs> called for the ANA Group's fleet to grow to around 300 aircraft. That's quite a lot mm. by the end of March 21, compared with 258 at the end of the current fiscal year. So basically they want to squeeze more lovely Japanese people into a smaller space going to Honolulu and back, I guess. Uh, I mean, they are as a, as as a race, and they are predominantly smaller than us Westerners. I think is 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 a fair thing to say. Used uh, to be, you'd yeah. be surprised because oh, really? their diet has uh, now. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here. Has become a little bit more Western, right? And uh, the later generations are. Um, a lot, much larger than right. previous generations. Oh yeah. dear! Also, <laughs> maybe they should leave the existing configuration alone then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Might not work in the future, but there you no. go. Indeed. So the next story, yes, uh, on Flight Global again, and uh, headline: United plans longer seven eight seven flight to Singapore. So it carries on from the story one of the stories we had earlier, and uh, United Airlines will launch the longest Boeing seven eight seven flight in the world this June with non-stop services between its San Francisco hub and Singapore. The Chicago-based Star Alliance carrier will operate the seven thousand three hundred and thirty-nine nautical mile route uh, with a two hundred and fifty-two seat 787-9, It says eastbound flights are scheduled at fifteen hours thirty minutes, and westbound flights at sixteen hours. 20 minutes. Uh, we are very excited about introducing non-stop flights between San Francisco and Singapore, says Marcel Fuchs, Vice President of Atlantic and Pacific Sales at United, in a statement. This long-awaited service will offer unique benefits to customers traveling between our West Coast hub at San Francisco and Singapore. United's uh, new San Francisco-Singapore route will replace its Tokyo-Narita-Singapore route, which added uh, which it added with the acquisition of Pan Am's uh, Pacific Network in 1986. It will continue to offer passenger connections uh, to Singapore at Tokyo Narita via its joint venture partner, Al Nippon Airways. <laughs> <laughs> or All Nippon Airways. <laughs> Depending on your... Yes. <laughs> 
the US carrier will continue to operate Hong Kong Singapore flights, it says. Singapore joins Auckland, Tel Aviv, and Zion in the list of new non stop destinations United will add from San Francisco, which it calls the premier gateway to Asia Pacific in Ooh. 2016. The U.S. carrier will offer non-stop flights to 13 Asia-Pacific destinations from San Francisco, with the addition of Singapore uh, up from just seven when it merged with Continental Airlines in 2010. No airlines fly non-stop between the USA and Singapore. However, Singapore Airlines plans to relaunch non-stop flights to Los Angeles and New York when it begins taking delivery of the Airbus A350-900 ultra-long range in uh, 2018. United will continue to hold the title for the longest 787 flight with the new San Francisco-Singapore service. And the route will replace the carrier's Los Angeles-Melbourne route at 6,905 nautical miles. The longest for the Dreamliner, um, flight maps analyst shows. Etihad Airways, Abu Dhabi, Brisbane route at 6,488 nautical miles will be the third longest. And American Airlines Dallas-Fort worth Shangi Budong at 6,392 nautical miles will be the fourth longest 787 route according to Innovata. Emirates Airlines, new Auckland-Dubai flight coming in at 7,668 nautical miles will retain the title of the world's longest route when it begins in March. Emirates uh, Dubai to Panama City route at 7,466 nautical miles will be the second longest and Qantas Airways' Sydney to Dallas-Fort Worth route will at 7,454 nautical miles be the third longest. Well, Dubai to Panama is a long way to go and get a hat. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. And on United, I've never flown with United, so I can't mm. um, can't pass judgment on the airline. But um, you've never um, flown United? No, no. You want to try it? You know, especially <laughs> a mile in, mile up. It was it's quite wrong. Right. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yes. Oh, God. Hey, uh, Matt, this is your one. Is it? Yes. yes. Uh, this is uh, on the airlineworld.com, uh, and it's uh, lucky eight for Boeing, is what it says in the picture. It's uh, Boeing has delivered the 8,000th, 888th 737 off the production line to, Ye- is it Yemen? Zaman? Zaman? Zion? Ye- Yemen. 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 It is Yemen. Oh, I was right. Um, to Yemen Airways, uh, the aircraft, the B seven one seven eight, the C slash N four zero nine five eight, was officially handed over to the carrier on January the twenty eighth and features special commemorative titles on the nose. Confirming the delivery, a statement from the manufacturer said that uh, just as seven is considered a lucky, num- lucky number for Boeing, eight is considered to be a fortunate number in Chinese culture because it sounds similar to the word to the word that means prosperity or wealth. Yemen's president and chairman of a name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce added, (laughs) we are excited to celebrate this fantastic milestone with Boeing. This delivery comes at a good time to cater to strong travel demand over the upcoming Chinese Spring Festival period. With the special lucky number livery, the uh, airline, uh, sorry, the airplane also brings our best wishes of good fortune to all our passengers. Oh, what a lovely that story nice. that is, yes. That all is warm good, and yeah. fuzzy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing quite like buying a, another 737. Yeah. Yeah, a popular, <laughs> very popular aircraft. Mm. Oh, they are. Oh, yeah. Depressingly so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, and that's all I'm going to say on that. Okay, I, I was right, then going to say something about Airbus, but I, I'm not going to do that. Are you not? Uh, no, I can't. No. <laughs> oh. oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> I don't want to upset the guest. No, quite right. Oh, no, no, no. I'm easily, uh, um, you know, I'll bounce back. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So the next story then uh, is is all yours, Nick, with a lovely picture. Of it is, one, yes. Yeah. We'll bring that up while you're chatting. That is rather sweet, isn't it? From Airliner World, mm. the global airline scene. Um, and uh, Boeing to reduce 747 production rate. You uh, know, I tell again. you what, this paint scheme on that aircraft is gorgeous, isn't it? It kind of makes it look a bit longer even than it mm. does in real life. It's very yeah, pretty. Yeah, it is. It is great, isn't it? Yeah. I know yeah, I like it's that, that. It's that wacky stripe down it. I think it makes a big difference. It's anyway, good, good, Bo- Boeing has confirmed it will lower the production rate of the 747-800. Well, it's hardly surprising. It's been out of date for years. Right. Um, to uh, match supply with near-term demand in the cargo market. Mm. Yeah, that's about the only people that are buying them really right. nowadays, aren't they? From yeah. September this year, the 747-8 program will re- uh, program's production will decline from one aircraft a month to half an aeroplane a month. What do you do with half an aeroplane? I don't know. Hello. Hello. Sorry. <laughs> have you lost me? That was a question. Yes. <laughs> yes what do you do with half an aeroplane? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. you have to wait for the next month and you stick the two together, do you? Um, the just... US manufacturer had previously announced that the rate would, I mean, what it should be is one aircraft every two months. I mean, you don't build half an aeroplane a month, do you? <laughs> I don't know. It the US manufacturer had previously announced the rate would drop from 1.3 aircraft a month to uh, one from March. There you go. What do you do with the extra point three of an airplane? That's another question. <laughs> Boeing's another vice chairman, president, and CEO of commercial airplanes, uh, Ray Connor, said global air passenger traffic growth and airplane demands remain strong. But the air cargo market recovery that began late in 2013 has stalled in recent months and slowed demand for the 747-8 freighter. Whilst we remain confident that the 747-8 unit a value proposition and up a coming and an upcoming replacement cycle oh my god <laughs> do i really have to read this no no, no not if you don't want to <laughs> so, the late model 747-400 freighters we're taking the prudent step to further Ooh. align production with captain and they're slowing production down because no one wants to buy it basically yes i think that, i think that's the, the headline of the story essentially is production is slowing mm. uh, exactly we'll, we'll leave it right. at that shall we why, <laughs> well, well done for soldiering on so why, why <laughs> don't you uh, why don't you think nick why don't you think the uh, the 747-8 has taken off as well um, <laughs> uh, uh, forgive the pun. Right, yeah. Why I'm don't you think um, that's, yes. that's been such a good one for for Boeing, Nick? What do you, what do your uh, well, views? those users of them uh, love the aircraft, and it needed an upgrade. Um, mm. The biggest problem with the guys uh, I know that fly them is that the basic aeroplane hasn't really changed very much. Mm. Uh, so you know, um, the technology of the lighter weight uh, um, construction techniques used in uh, other aircraft, um, you know, more modern design. Um, have really started to supersede the airframe. Yeah. Having said that, with fuel costs the way they are at the moment, it's a very economic proposition. But you, you buy an aeroplane for the next 25 or 30 years, you don't buy it for today, do you? No. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a shame. I, I, do, I do like the Dash 8. I watched a, a documentary on the building of the uh, yeah. and the testing of the Dash 8 74, and it, you know, it's, you know, it's amazing to see. Yeah. The aircraft. It's a shame that a lot, a lot more um, commercial carriers haven't taken it on as um, you know a passenger carrying aircraft because, like the story, there's more of these are being used for 
carrying mm. cargo yeah. than uh, than passengers. But um, but there we go. Indeed. Right now, the very last, last story. story. Now, this is one that I found. Me, I actually found Matt an aviation research. Really, I know. I found an aviation related story, and it's one I actually I can't take too much credit for it because it was basically something that made Look East, which is our local BBC program here uh, in East Anglia, and uh, it was an absolutely fascinating story. And it's a blogger travels from Sheffield to Essex via Berlin to save cash. A consumer blogger discovered it was cheaper to travel home to Essex from Sheffield via Berlin than it was to take a direct train. Jordan Cox, 18, from Brentwood in Essex, was in Sheffield for a lecture and found a one-way train ticket home would cost him £47. He opted instead to fly from East Midlands Airport to Berlin and then fly from Berlin to Stansted. Mr Cox said that the journey on the 20th of January saved him £8. (laughs) He admitted that it had not been an environmentally friendly way to travel or indeed the quickest. It took him 12 hours uh, to get uh, home compared with the usual three and a half hours on the train. Um, But I know from when I watched the report, um, I should have actually got the BBC's permission to to play the clip because the interview was brilliant with him. Uh, Because he is, uh, I I mean this in a really kind way, but he's probably the geekiest human being I think I've ever actually seen. He obviously done his homework. Absolutely. To find this out, you yeah, know, it'd absolutely. be cheaper. Well, he works for Martin Lewis, uh, who's the ah. money-saving expert, ah, uh, which excellent. which some yeah, people like may point. have. Yeah, he's he's brilliant, but uh, and he, he's a blogger for for that particular company, and it was it was absolutely fascinating. And and frankly, I mean, I love travelling by train, uh, as Carl knows. I and mean, he yes. sort of frowns at yes. me every time I say it. Yeah. But I love travelling by train, given half a half a chance. Uh, but it is a worrying state of affairs that it's cheaper to fly from East Midlands Airport all the way to um to uh, berlin go and have lunch and then catch a plane back to stansted and then just use a local bus to get him home um you know and it's as i say it actually saved him eight pounds than if he'd done it on the train well i'd rather fly i mean that would be my yes absolutely yeah well and and, and again also Right. Also, as he right. said, it was it was the the fantastic thing. Of course, was uh, the views. The views were so much better oh, yeah, <laughs> than it would be if he'd been going cross country. Anyway, so that's a little story I found that, that amused me no oh, yeah, end. So that's where we bring the commercial news side of things to a close for this episode. Yep. Uh, we have decided uh, mid-show to uh, put the uh, put the military, military news on hold, hold for this week because yes. we want to get a good chat in with, yeah, we uh, with Absolutely. Nick. And we're, we're, um, we're over an hour already. We are over so. an hour long. Uh, we have got uh, we've got a segment from Pilot. Pit, we have, which I'm looking forward to, uh, and we also have some uh, some listener feedback. voice feedback yes. as well to play. Absolutely, from the lovely Mila. Yes, from the lovely yes. Mila. Um, so yes, well, we are going to do yep. the. Or should we do Pip? Segment? We're going to do Pip now. Yes, yes. Uh, he says, choosing his words carefully. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear! If, before before I get pounced on by by um, no, by by Captain Nick, it is so. It is time, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to sit down, get comfortable as uh, safety comes to the forefront of our little show as we welcome the legend that is Pilot Pip and the Plane Safety Podcast segment. Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Hi Plane Talking UK people, it's Pip here. You join me on Friday evening from the very lovely, the very tropical, the very salubrious town of Luton. Maybe some element of sarcasm there. Anyhow, uh, I'm in Luton. I was expecting to be in Innsbruck tonight 
one of my most favourite airports to fly into, one of the most stunning visual environments you're ever likely to fly into. It's just gorgeous. Innsbruck Airport is nestled down inside a, a deep valley, very high mountains on either side, and you approach down this east-west valley down onto the airport, and it's just stunning. Really lovely place, especially this time of year when it's all covered in snow. Very nice indeed. But as I say, I'm not in Innsbruck, I'm in Luton because my plane broke down. I, As I got into work today, or before I even got into work today, I got a message to say that the aircraft had gone tech, it had broken, something to do with the main entry door. And so the whole schedule had been jigged around, another aircraft was going to do the flight and uh, I was just to go on standby instead. So I've not really done much today, just come to the hotel, which is kind of nice. I thought maybe I'll go out and... Uh, watch a movie perhaps or go and have a nice meal have some me time but uh that wasn't to happen because carlos the evil carlos was straight on the phone and said oi pip where's your segment for tomorrow's show come on hand it over so i've had to give up my evening to record a segment i don't want to get on the wrong side of carlos he's a, a mean nasty person no, I'm only kidding. But I said to Carlos, well, anything in particular you'd like to hear about? And he said, well, I was thinking today is how much paperwork is involved with flights now that most pilots have EFBs and should your EFB fail, do you still have a paper backup? And also a bit about how EFBs work as we hear so much about them nowadays. So yeah, I can talk about that. I can ramble about that for a few minutes. So there's two things there. There's the paperwork side and then there's the EFB EFB stands for electronic flight bag and I'll talk about that one in a second but paperwork now supposedly we at SafeJets and many other airlines I'm sure operate a paperless cockpit concept i.e. we're not meant to have any paperwork or minimal paperwork but I can tell you that's just not true we've got paperwork coming out of our ears there's so much paperwork still in cockpits even with the EFBs and so what paperwork do we have? Now the main bulk of that paperwork comes from what we call the flight package. This is something the flight dispatch department puts together for us and it contains all the all the details of the flight and it gets sent across to us via electronic forms, email or something and we print it off or it's printed off for us and it's there waiting for us in the morning. And the flight package, the bulk of it, consists of the flight plan or the plog if you want to call it that as is the, the the bits of paper something in the region of maybe eight to twelve uh, bits of paper a4 long depending on the route how long the flight is and it contains all sorts of information but it's the, the flight route so it's all the the waypoints broken down individually and it's got all the fuel figures on there it's got all the 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 tracks all the ground speeds all the true air speeds the fuel flows there's loads and loads of data on there so that's that can be easily a dozen or more pages long also attached to that flight package is all the load data the the uh, you know the manifest the the loading the trim sheets all of that kind of stuff and also the other big part of the flight package is all the performance data which comes through it's one sheet of a4 per runway um, per flap setting so for each individual runway it will give us all the all the, the V speeds for the various weights and the various conditions and then that can be further increased if you're dealing with contaminated runway because then you start to get for each runway for each type of contaminant you get another piece of paper so snow covered runways or ice covered runways and pretty quickly you can start getting really overloaded with paperwork and then also what they include with that flight package is all the weather and NOTAM information. So all the weather charts, all the weather reports, and all the NOTAM stuff for each of the airports 
the uh, departure airport, the destination, and the destination alternate airport, uh, which is great. But the trouble with that is that sometimes the flight packages can be prepared by the dispatch department maybe nine or ten hours before the flight takes place. So let's say we've got a 9 a.m. flight. It's possible that the flight package was put together at midnight the night before. So nine or ten hours later, all that weather and no time information is somewhat out of date. So quite often we end up getting fresh data and printing all that off as well. So we kind of duplicate that element to a certain degree. So it's even more paperwork. So these flight packages can get pretty hefty sometimes. So I think the one that we received um, for the flight that we were meant to do to Innsbruck today was something like 50-something pages long. That's 50 sheets of A4, um, which is quite a lot really. You know, when you're doing that every flight for every day of the year, it's it's quite a sizable chunk of forest that you're burning up. And of course, most of it just gets thrown away at the end of the flight. Uh, certain bits need to be kept, like the flight plan, the plog, that gets uh, sent back to the company. But in terms of maps and charts and all the airport diagrams and the, the Jefferson charts, that is where we've saved a lot of paperwork or a lot of weight and space with the introduction of EFBs. So EFBs is an electronic flight bag. Why they call it a flight bag, I don't know. There's no bags involved. An EFB is a, an electronic gadget. Usually we use iPads. Uh, other companies use different things. But it's, it's a tablet, basically, on which you can digitally download and store all the maps and charts that you're going to need. So traditionally, we used to carry around all the charts in great big binders, these sort of A5 size binders. And depending on your airline and your operation, you might carry anything between sort of two and three to, to a dozen of these things. And they're quite heavy. They're very bulky. And finding space to put them all was sometimes a bit of an issue. So before we had AFBs, we were typically carrying around all of the European airports. And for my operation on the aircraft I'm flying, we would also carry around all the charts for Africa, for the Middle East, and for sort of mid and far Russia and others. So it was, it was quite a lot of stuff. And that's just for the individual airports. On top of that, you would also have all the various navigation charts, the high-level charts, the low-level charts... And the biggest hassle of having all that stuff was, was preparing it at the start of the day. You'd have to go through each individual binder and pull out the charts you were going to need for the day, which I can tell you was a real hassle. These binders were stuffed to the absolute maximum capacity. So it was often a real job to get these charts in and out each time because the, the binders were so full. And if, God forbid, you dropped one of these things and all the charts went everywhere, well, I can tell you, you'll be there for the rest of the year picking it all up. And of course, all these charts and all the databases were updated on a monthly basis. Once a month, everything would be updated. So if you're unlucky enough to work in a very small outfit, as I used to do when I was back in the survey flying, we used to have to manually ourselves go through and update all the charts. You'd have to pull out all the old ones and put in the new ones, and that took hours. That was a horrible task. I used to dread that. Of course, these days in airlines, if they're still using the paper charts, they'll they have people that, that do that for them. They just come in and, and swap out the books. But now, of course, it's all on, stored on an iPad or some other device. And it's much, much easier. So now, instead of having to pull out any charts we need for the day, we can just, before the start of the day, just call up the ones on the iPad and have them stored. We can also program in the routes on the iPad, so it overlays the, the route on the appropriate charts. That's very nice. And you've got everything right there at your fingertips. It's great. Now, I will say that the one thing I do miss is having the, the navigation charts, the en route charts. 
the maps. I quite like having a paper copy you can take out and unfold. I find it much more having the paper one much more user friendly than than using an iPad. You're having to you know uh, zoom in on certain bits or, or zoom out more than anything. Actually, wanting to zoom out to see the whole scale of the route and finding the notes that which were usually on the back of the chart. It's a right pain now with the iPad. But all in all, it's very good actually. The iPads. And of course, but what happens when what when the EFB fails? Well, as a redundancy, we each pilot has their own EFB. At least at Safe Jets, we have our own EFB, which we're responsible for uh, maintaining and updating. It's which is a very simple process. It auto updates once a month, uh, but we're responsible for making sure that it's it's there and it's charged up fully and uh, and it's current. So if one of the EFBs fails, then you should have another one working. If you are unlucky enough that both of them failed, well, that would be pretty unlikely. But it's not a huge deal. What you can do if if they've both failed is you can just have the dispatch department send you, or fax or whatever, the relevant charts that you're going to need for that day, and you can just print them out and have paper copies of them. If the whole thing fails in flight, well, again, it's no big deal because it's simple enough matter just to call up over the radio and ask for all the relevant data. So if you're approaching an airfield in bad weather. Well, then you're just—we have a, a sort of a quick sheet. We can just go through and ask for the the ILS ident, the frequency, the inbound course, uh, the decision altitudes, all that kind of stuff. It would take a little bit of time, but you know, it's all there. It's available. It's it's not a disaster if if the EFBs don't work. Uh, but not all of the manuals go onto the EFB, onto the iPads. Uh, some of the ones, all the Jefferson manuals, all the navigational manuals, they're downloaded digitally. But we still carry around hard copy in the aircraft, a number of folders. The AFM, which is the aircraft flight manual, uh, which is a, a very big bulky folder which goes through and describes all the, the systems and all the limitations of the aircraft. That's a, a legal requirement still that we, we have a, a copy of that one. We also carry around a paper copy of something called the MEL, the Minimum Equipment List, which is a, a document which tells us what items we can fly with uh, if things are broken. And we also, at least for the time being, still carry around all our company operations manuals in hard copy. So it's not completely paperless in terms of charts and, and manuals. It's a lot better than it used to be. It's much nicer now that we've got the iPads, but there's a lot more room freed up to for storing all our personal bits and bobs. Uh, but uh, you know, there's a lot of airlines out there that are not using EFBs yet. I was recently on the visited the cockpit of a, a Acme Red when we went across to Miami, and I noticed that those guys were still using the paper charts. But the future really is having integrated EFBs, so uh, electronic flight bags integrated into the into the avionics of the aircraft, which actually on my aircraft is what we have already. Now, as I understand, not too many aircraft have that. Probably the maybe the 787 has it, or maybe the new Airbus 350s. But that's a very nice feature: is to have an integrated flight bag. So all your Jeppesons, all your charts and things, you can display them on one of the navigational screens right in front of you. And I think that's something you'll see increasingly as we get newer aircraft on the line from the big manufacturers. Um, but of course, it's not just the airlines who are using EFBs. These things are very popular now amongst the GA community. For, so for the guys, well, like Carlos, the guys flying the, for fun, their Cessnas and their PA-28s, things like that. Uh, there are many apps and uh, programs out there that you can put on your iPad which give you all the charts and all the maps and especially if you've got an iPad with uh, internal GPS then you can get some very nifty navigational features as you can use your iPad live as a sort of a, 
a navigational aid. Uh, a very popular one in the UK is called Sky Demon. It's a very good bit of kit. So these things are everywhere, and, and generally it's a good thing. Anyway, I think I've rambled enough on that one, enough at least to keep my uh, my masters happy for another week. Until the next time, do remember, please, my London Marathon appeal. If you want to check out the website, www.plainsafetypodcast.com, you can click on the London Marathon page and it will uh, tell you all about that. If you'd like to donate, I'd be really, really very grateful. But until the next time, folks, enjoy the rest of the podcast and fly safe. See you. Rude, you cut him off then. <laughs> it was mid sentence, wasn't it? Mid sentence. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you very much, Pip, for oh. your segment as always. Yes, and don't forget, seriously, guys, if yeah. you can spare a little bit of pocket change, the lunatic that is the legendary pilot Pip is yeah. doing the London Marathon because he's slightly unhinged and mental. Uh, and uh, yes, all donations I'm sure will be greatly appreciated to the uh, to the fund. I've forgotten which charity he's running. Is it Cancer Research? I can't, I can't remember. remember. It's yeah. on his site. Yeah, yeah we, we've donated already. Yeah. But oh, have you, we? Good. Yeah. <laughs> if you go, if you do, go to his site, you'll see all the bits and pieces. Yeah, absolutely. On there, and we'll, we'll, we'll put we'll put a fresh link on, on yeah. the Facebook page uh, when we finish today. But no, thanks for that, Pip. As mm. always, fantastic segment. I he listened to that you, last night. He makes night, you actually. sound like a, such a tyrant, doesn't he? I know. I'm not that the bad. The masters. <laughs> Although I, I did, yeah. I did ring him from Morrison's car park. Did you yesterday? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor guy was having five I minutes peace. Honestly, you know, doing the mundane chores of life. So have we? Have we still <laughs> got a captain that is Nick? I there? think we do. Oh, and I think the old Comanchin came and joined us. Oh, dear. Oh, very good. Right. Very good. So we have, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got a small piece of feedback to play. We have, yeah, we'll do that at and, the end. Uh, and then we're going to grill uh, grill the Captain oh, no. Nick. Okay. Right, okay. Yes. All right, then. So time for a little bit of audio feedback from one of our lovely listeners. And thank you very, very much to the lovely Mila for this. Hi, Carlers. Hi, Matt. It's Mila. i just like to say that um, I really love your your podcast. I think it's great. So big thumbs up to you. Well done and keep them coming. I really like it. So that's the first thing I'd like to tell you guys. And then secondly, I've got two ideas for your 100th episode. Um, the first one being is that I really like the idea of you guys coming over to Skipple. I'm Dutch myself, so please do come over. Um, and the fact that I'm telling you guys is that because there's free Wi-Fi service all over Amsterdam airport, um, but you can only use it for an hour. Now, if you get in contact with the provider, which I could help you guys with if you want, um, then you can get a premium uh, connection. And um, yeah, so then you can do a live broadcast. That would be really awesome. My second idea for your 100 episode would be um, having some people over that usually don't fly jets and then get in the simulator together, like a 7-3 simulator or something like that, and just giving them a short lesson or something in the simulator that, you know, everybody can get together and enjoy flying and see what it's like to fly a big jet. So. That was my idea. I really hope that you guys like it and that you might do something with that. And if you want any help getting in contact with the guys at Skipple Airport, please let me know because I'm Dutch and I might be able to help you guys out. 
All right, take care and um, keep the shows coming because I really, really love them and I know many other people do as well. And I'll see you guys later. Bye. Oh, thanks for that, thanks Mila. For that Mila. <laughs> can you imagine me in a simulator? I can't imagine how. Uh, it's just like, I can barely drive my coach. <laughs> what on earth That's is great. that going to be like? <laughs> what on earth am I going to like? Seriously, <laughs> we need to see see what simulator. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. Just to film me in a simulator, I think it would, would be just hilarious. Yeah, an add-on from that. She actually sent yeah. us an email after that as well mm. to say that uh, that we should uh, we should get people like uh, Micah, the main man, Micah in, and Doctor Steph yes. in the sim as well. But I mean, Doctor Steph's a pilot anyway. She doesn't yeah, need to go in the sim. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, uh, that's, that's some great ideas there, Mila, from you. That was um, a very nice of you to send that feedback in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, seriously, guys, please do send in feedback. We love getting feedback. It's nice to sort of break up the curmudgeon of our voices. I mean, really the sim idea is really good. It you is know, a to great get, idea. To get a group together who, who have never, probably never flown an yeah, aircraft, yeah. ever, 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 to but, get in a well, sim Well, I would definitely fit that category. Yeah. Uh, unless the little, you know, the little F-15 game I had on my Atari counts. I, I don't <laughs> no. know. But, uh, I did actually, I messaged, I messaged Pip just now in the chat room to mm. see how much it would cost to hire the yes. sim. You're interrupting and, our um, guest. And Pip, sorry, Pip, Pip said yeah. it might, might cost a few quid. What about you, what about you Nick? Any, uh, well, any? isn't there a, um, hello, I've got a bit of an echo. Isn't oh, uh, there a um, aviation museum that has its own flight sim you can uh, use? It might be a ground-based one, oh. 7.3. I remember hearing some feedback about that a diff- on a different show. Um, and a museum would be an aviation museum. Great spot to do a uh, broadcast. And then you could combine the two. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. We, let's, let's we did have up. a chat earlier, didn't we, Matt? About we did, uh, yeah. possible. Well, I'm in talks at the moment with one of our largest um, museums in the UK mm. uh, to do our hundredth show at. Um, can't drop any Brilliant. names, but I am in conversations with their yeah. uh, people. If if that doesn't come to fruition, then I will be heading to another museum, uh, which is um, local, cl- quite close to us, which mm. also has uh, has a Vulcan there as well. Does it? Um, Does it? Yes, Ooh. and uh, we might uh, might have to do one from there live, which mm. would be cool. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to. Uh, sorry, I'm just. Uh, there we go. Uh, we need to really. Uh, it's time to grill our guest now. Now, <laughs> Steph has made me slightly nervous. In one of the things that uh, that she said in the chat room is the fact that she was very much looking forward to grilling uh, you. So I don't know quite what you've done to upset um, Steph <laughs> at some point. But she seems she seems very keen to uh, to have a whole a no holds bar discussion about something. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. <laughs> take so, me on, Steph. Absolutely. So Nick, as everyone uh, everyone should know, you uh, you are obviously a, a very big part now of the AP. Uh, community and the obviously the uh, you're a, a co-host on the uh, airline pilot guy show and uh, i'm guessing you're you're enjoying that uh, your new uh, role there oh absolutely they're such a nice bunch of people they and, are, uh, they? the show was great it was my introduction to um aviation podcasting really yeah. uh and uh, the fact that uh, jeff has uh, found a spot for me uh, is brilliant and uh, of course i'm looking forward to doing many shows with them i've any Actually, I think taking part in one and a quarter so far, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah. as a, as a co-host, but it's great, and uh, you know they're such a lovely bunch of people. They are, uh, aren't they? It's, yeah. it's a great show. Mm. So, your bit of history about you, then, uh, Nick? How did how did uh, things start with you? Go back to the to the days of old when you uh, when you started your uh, your ambitions as to fly. Oh, great. I, I mean, I, I came from an aviation uh, family, so my mm. father was an airline pilot. My eldest brother was a ground engineer. Um, and uh, I think probably from 
you know, six or seven, I had already got a great interest in uh, in flying. Used to follow my father's uh, exploits. Used to listen uh, to a radio in the garden of uh, the guys on the approach to Heathrow. You know, used to think that was the bee's knees. Used to get all his old maps and plot out routes and things on it. And when I started flying, I kind of knew aviation law pretty much backwards and all this kind of stuff. So <laughs> I was a very keen air cadet. I, I joined the air cadet before actually you were even legally allowed to because they they allowed me in early. They said, well, you have to do a six-month probationary period. So why don't you join at 12 and a half? Uh, and then when you've done your probationary period, you become a full cadet on your 13th birthday. And, uh, of course, that was just fantastic. I just loved that. The whole idea of uh, getting and playing with airplanes with a bunch of aviation-minded kids the cool, same yeah. age was superb. Uh, so I learned to glide. I used to do the old chipmunk air experience flights. Uh, I eventually uh, moved on, got a, uh, a staff cadet position at a local gliding school. It wasn't that local. I used to have to hitchhike from Guildford down to Tangmere uh, every weekend to uh, help out there as a staff cadet, where we used to drive the Land Rovers, uh, control, drive the winches, sit up in the little tower, work in the lights that uh, used to control everything and make tea and uh, drive out and retrieve the gliders that hadn't landed at the spot. And, you know, it used to be from before dawn till well after sunset that we worked. Um, and then uh, drive off down to Thorny Island for the a night's sleep in the Emmons mess and back again the next morning. Uh, so that was brilliant. Um, finally got a flying scholarship through uh, the Air Cadets and uh, with my gliding experience that gave me a PPL. So I then uh, joined the same flying school that I'd learnt to um, fly with on my scholarship, which was Fair Oaks School of Flying at Fair Oaks Airport, just under the bottom left corner of the London TMA. And uh, that kind of got me going. But I was desperate to get a job in civil aviation. I wanted mm. to uh, fly, uh, you know, something with, you know, lots of engines. And uh, I wanted to have a white Triumph Spitfire and a flat and Mayfair <laughs> and half a dozen girlfriends. That well, was my idea. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, why, that's so, why everybody gets into aviation, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, I went off and chatted uh, to the chief pilot of British United Airways, Um uh, yeah, an airline that's long gone. Mm. And he said, mate, you know, no way in the world is anyone going to pay for you to become a pilot nowadays. <laughs> Hamble had shut, um, so there were no, no cadet ships around. He says, why don't you join the Air Force? Oh. I'd already uh, done my aptitude test, of course, uh, for a flying scholarship. That was one of the requirements. So, uh, And they had shown an interest, so uh, I put my hand up, asked uh, if I could join, and uh, they, they offered me a permanent commission, which meant I was in for... Uh, the the long haul um and i never turned back never looked back really it was just brilliant from the day one even the officer training i, I quite enjoyed uh, give me three pine poles i can make a tripod with the best of them um <laughs> and uh, roaring around the uh, stanford pda you know playing at being soldiers but basically um getting through that so i could start flying training yeah which uh, which went on uh, wonderfully. It was a bit slow in those days, but uh, it took like four and a half years to get operational. Um, but I flew uh, you know, Chipmunk, Jet Provosts, uh, Nat Hunter, uh, and then posted onto the Phantom. And I did a, a tour on the Phantom before coming back um, to the training world as an instructor on Hawks that were then in. I did four years there, kicking and screaming on the <laughs> wonderful island of Anglesey. I love you all very much. And... Um, 
then back onto the Phantom and uh, I did a weapon instructor's course after that and from that course posted to the Australian Air Force on an exchange tour flying F-18s. Wow. Did that for three years, loved the, uh, the F-18, loved the Australians, mm. uh, just a brilliant time over there. Came back to the very disappointing uh, Tornado F-3, I think any airplane after the F-18 was going to be disappointing <laughs> yeah. but the Tornado F-3 uh, was, uh, yeah, just a bit of a letdown. Mm. So uh, after a couple of years flying that uh, up at Lucas in Scotland, uh, I took an option to leave, which was the option that came up at the end of a, quite a long career. And um, I was a squadron leader by then. So uh, I came out into the middle of uh, one of the biggest um, uh, periods of of lack of pilot employment is that way I'm trying to yeah. explain it there yeah. was there were no jobs yeah um, everyone it was middle of the Gulf War one so uh, the airlines were just retrenching no one was flying yeah. and no one was having any jobs Dan Air had just gone bust so all uh, those pilots were out on the looking for jobs and they were you know type qualified and experienced guys yeah. and I was all I had was you know four and a half thousand hours of fast jet flying yeah. and an ATPL yeah. So uh, eventually uh, the floodgates opened and interview offers from Cathay and Monarch and uh, Virgin and uh, a whole bunch of others came yeah. through sort of all, almost all on the same day. So it was just a matter of making a choice and I chose Acme Red, which was I think the best airline uh, I could at the time. Uh, brilliant. And, uh, and I hadn't looked back. Straight on the Airbus uh, with them, the A340-300. And then when the Dash 600s came along, which were a much bigger uh, machine, very nice indeed, enjoyed that. Uh, because uh, I was lucky to get in at the front of a big wave of employment and uh, expansion. Um, very quick command, so uh, I think I'd landed the airplane 45 times when I started by command course, which wow. made it a bit of <laughs> a, bit of a trial. <laughs> it wasn't the easiest course I've done in the no. world. Um, but managed to get through it, and uh, and then nothing but settling back and enjoying my career ever since. So, so only a few years to go now. A slightly personal question here. I'm sorry about that. How, how long is it that you've actually been working for Acme Red? Uh, 21 years now. So wow. uh, three years to go, and I'll retire. I've just recently converted onto the uh, 330 twin-engine version uh -huh, okay. of the 340, 300. So I was a one-time flying all three variants. Mm. Uh, now just flying the 330 and the 340-600. And then when we get uh, uh, 350s, as I gather, although it's not official yet, I, um, we're all fingers crossed that we're going to get them. Hopefully that'll just be a two-day course, and I'll be able to add that to my license too. It'd be lovely to fly one of those before yeah. I, uh, I before hang up my flying boots. Yeah. So w with a, with that in mind then, okay, looking to the future, what 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 does retirement have in store for you then? What, what, oh, uh, actually, what's, what's the I, I, dream? Miss, yeah, I won't miss retirement at all. No, uh, the, this is not a uh, it's not a stressless job. This, no. and uh, I think as you do get on a bit, some people take it way in their stride, but yeah. I am finding it uh, quite difficult to yeah. cope with uh, some really long flights. And when the the flights get a bit jammed up, and you end up with uh, with not many days off, uh, it does become uh, harder and harder. So uh, I'm actually looking forward to sitting back and. Uh, Haranguing uh, various podcasts <laughs> and asking <laughs> all questions. <laughs> actually, actually, uh, Pip asked a question in the chat room. He was saying uh, a question for Nick: Do you ever regret not doing any short haul flying? Is it, I mean, was that your 
your preferred sort of the, the short haul or, or do you prefer the long haul overall? Well, at one time, Acme Red did, in fact, have a, a sh- kind of short-haul um, department. They got some 320s and were flying them uh, Gatwick to Athens. And when uh, those few airplanes needed to come in for a major servicing, they put the 340s on the route. So right. I actually did some relative short-haul, yeah. uh, Gatwick to Athens, a couple of sectors a, a day. And I found that uh, even more stressful than anything right. else. I mean, quite honestly, the hardest work is yeah. getting the damn thing in the air, yeah. all the float pre-flight preparation and trying to hit schedules uh, and um, putting it to bed afterwards. Uh, the actual bit in the middle is the easy bit. Yes, so, um, fair point. Yeah. Uh, I, I found that a lot harder than long haul. So... Um, with that in respect, I'm very glad, and no, I didn't want to do short haul. I decided uh, from looking back at my father's career, who did nothing but long haul, that that's kind of what I wanted to do. So that, it worked for me. I, I enjoy long haul. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got a question for you, Nick. Yeah, obviously, we've heard over the uh, last few sort of uh, well months or so that Acme Red have uh, got some uh, nice, fresh, new Dreamliners. Have you had the chance to uh, to go on board those yet? No, I haven't actually. Uh, I was hoping to get a, a, a you know deadhead sector, perhaps on one. Uh, so I haven't even had the chance to climb on and have a look round. But um, I know quite a few guys from the Airbus fleet that have gone across there, and uh, they they like it very much. Albeit mm. um, there's one I know that uh, started his he's finished still on his ground school, and he's now screaming because he thinks that the 350 is going to be the choice, the aircraft of choice <laughs> for our <laughs> very oh, <no>. long haul. <laughs> Replacement, yeah. our VLA, very large aircraft. Is, it, is that something and, uh, you'd fancy, though, Nick, going o- over to uh, to fly the, the Dreamliner? The bin liner? No. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, they, we're actually, uh, they're not proving to be quite as uh, serviceable. And their serviceability record uh, with Acme Red has not been brilliant. Uh, I hope my dogs aren't uh, no, you're fine. too much Don't you worry, in the background. No, no. They seem to be very happy. Something's obviously pleased them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, it must yeah, be snack so, um, time. Yeah. The engineers <laughs> are finding them a trial. Is really? probably the best way to put that, yeah. Is it just because, I mean, well, I, I appreciate you can't go into too much detail, but is it possibly sort of like teething problems because they are a relatively new aircraft? Mm. Is it is that more what they the, the things are, just ironing out the kinks, essentially? I think that's exactly right, but uh, I don't think it was an airplane that moved uh, into service with anyone without a few problems, and I yeah, think yeah. many of them were very well publicised. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think we're having the same problems, but I think um, the, the it. Boeing have had a great reputation when it comes to aircraft design, and uh, I think there might have been a few uh, gaps in their um, design uh, skills when it came to the 3D. Only little gaps. I don't think there's anything major uh, that's that's proving, and I'm sure they'll all be patched. Every new aircraft has yeah. uh, mm. uh, a few hiccups, but I don't think it's quite as smooth as Boeing would have liked when it, with regards to its entry into service. So we've got uh, a few questions in the chat room, Nick. Yep. Uh, we've got one from uh, someone you might know, uh, 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 Dr. Steph. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my, my doctor's in the chat room? Yeah, yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Good news. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Steph, uh, Steph, how was that latest exam? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Steph has, uh, has, has, has got a few uh, interestingly uh, aviation-ish related questions. Oh, oh, here we go. And uh, <laughs> she's put on here that you've got three dogs. Yes. And uh, what are their names, and are they all Vizalas? What? 
That's uh, well, it's a Hungarian name, so uh, Visla or Visla. Visla. Ah. Visla. Yeah. Um, but it depends on how you prefer it. Uh, the uh, Hungarian pronunciation is Visla. Visla. Um, oh no, I like so, that. No, I like yeah. that. Yeah. They are three gorgeous dogs, and uh, we came across the breed uh, almost by accident when we uh, rescued one. Uh, oh, cool. And she's passed away some time ago, so mm. these three are kind of replacements. I've got a, a smooth, a wire hair, and a, quite a rare long hair, yeah. which is kind of like a wire hair that's got too much hair. It's not an <laughs> official part of the breed. But uh, their names. Now, the first one we got was the wire hair. And because we'd just come back from Australia, and guys question, what do they call a redhead in Australia? That's it. Blue. Okay. Blue. That's it. So they call him Bluey. Uh, so uh, being a ginger or a redhead, we called our first one Blue. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we let the kids choose the second one's name, so that became Rusty. Right. And uh, oh, good. I, I like picked that. the name for the third one, which was our boy, our only boy, and he's got long hair and he's called Raga. Right. <laughs> And you can guess why I chose that. It rhymes very well. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ray Davis is asking in the chat room, he's saying, uh, Captain Nick, if you had to make a choice between having to fly an airliner or the F-4 Phantom, which one would you choose? (laughs) Well, I don't think there's any choice there. The Phantom was just a a man's machine. It was fantastic. But it was a time for a young man. Uh, You know, I think... Trying to fly that now and, uh, you know, would be uh, a trial. It would be uh, quite a handful. So uh, when I was a young man, it was just the best thing in the world to fly. It was, you know, such an iconic airplane. Uh, And uh, such a meaty airplane to fly. It was, you know, had more thrust than you could shake a stick at and uh, was, you know, uh, just um, required... uh, tricks and skills that you learned uh, so it wasn't an easy airplane to fly but when you mastered it you felt you'd like you really accomplished something um, so the Phantom all day every day but I think um, once you get into your 40s and 50s you kind of think well something a bit more comfortable that I can wear shirt sleeves and have very <laughs> ladies give me tea and coffee all day well, quite right probably yes. the way to go absolutely <laughs> Yeah. So with, with a few years to this is uh, Captain uh, Captain Pip. I've promoted him. Excellent uh, pilot Pip. He was uh, he was asking uh, with only a few uh, years left at Acme Red. Um, did you have you ever had the uh, ever wanted the opportunity to fly Boeing? Uh, not really. I mean, quite honestly, when I was uh, out of work, as I was for a year mm. uh, after I left the Air Force, waiting to try and get into the airlines, I would watch aircraft fly over the top, and I, I wouldn't have cared if uh, I'd got a job flying DC-3s and the uniform with <laughs> yeah. pink pyjamas. Any, anything, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's qu- quite a common... Um, I mean, people I say, oh, I'll only fly Boeing, I'll only fly Airbus. That's complete rubbish. When you're out of work, you'll fly anything that has wings uh, if it's going to you know, give you a, a, a ticket and give you uh, you know, a salary at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, and the same actually applies now. If the company wanted me to go fly Boeing, so I could say, yeah, no problems, I'll go climb in and fly it. Uh, I might be annoyed at the learning process, trying to pick up the different way of how the aircraft's designed and the logic behind it. Because now I'm used to uh, the scare bus way of doing things. Uh, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, falling off a log now. Um, but I really wouldn't care what aircraft I, I flew. It's, it's an aeroplane. It's well designed. Yeah. The, the manufacturers do a great job regardless of who they are. Yeah. Uh, so I don't care. Yeah, fair point. Uh, another uh, one uh, last p- uh, question from Pip. 
and uh, that's a question that I actually was thinking of asking anyway. But it's one of those one of those sort of like questions that I do like to ask. Well, everyone really. Yeah. Uh, apart from the flying you do already with Acme Red, Nick, do you do any flying uh, for fun outside of work? Uh, to be fair, I think the airline industry has beaten the joy of flying out of me. For a certain <laughs> oh, no. <step. laughs> no, seriously. Um, uh, when you have to drag your body out of bed, uh, when your body clock is screaming for sleep, yeah. and you sit on a bouncy bus and drive for like an hour and a half to get to some filthy airport that's uh, hissing down <laughs> with rain, and uh, you clamber onto the airplane to find that there's uh, three MEL issues, which all require a lot of concentration before you can decide whether the aircraft's fit to fly or not. And you look at the routing and the weather at your destination, and you're overloaded with cargo and you want to carry more fuel, but now it means dropping cargo and uh, you know, making the flight less commercial and you've got to weigh up all those decisions. And then you find that uh, your cabin crew down because someone's gone sick with a <laughs> you know, snivel that they already flew out with and knew about. So you go, oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Uh, and then you start bouncing off crew duty times and then your passengers come on and one of them's drunk and, oh, Captain, do, 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 should we offload this passenger? Yeah. And you and you do that, and I think to myself, oh, it's got to be an easier way to make money. Um, so that, that's not flying, but that's 99.9% .9 of my job is right. doing that stuff. Yeah. The actual bit at the end of the runway when you plant the thrust levers up into the flex yeah. position, go hurtling off and uh, swoop into the darkness. Into the sky, yeah. Uh, that's the kind of few seconds I get where I get a bit of satisfaction. Yeah. Um, but pretty soon afterwards, you're into some complicated uh, SID. You'd have autopilots go in because now you're working, both working pretty hard. Yeah. And then you've got a huge long drag through the night when you're desperate for sleep and there's only two of you. Um, and coming into, you know, the next, you're landing at a filthy weather uh, or the typhoon coming, contaminated runways, all these uh, decisions and calculations to be made. Eventually you throw the thing on the ground and climb off and all you get from the passengers is whinges because you were late off right, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or you didn't you didn't touch it down like you were landing on eggs. Yeah. Um, and you do wonder why the hell you do it. So yeah. the answer is no. But I have to say, I think when I retire, yeah. I would really quite like to go back to gliding. I'd, uh, that's really? the way I started. Yeah. So I would really love to go up to Lasher or somewhere and uh, get a few uh, lessons to refresh myself and and then uh, perhaps, uh, you know, buy a small share in a, uh, yeah, in a glider and, yeah. and do a bit of that. I think that would kind of be a way to get back to my roots and I'd probably enjoy that. Well, it's one of those things, isn't it? I think when time when time goes by, um, maybe maybe you will find the love for it again. Perhaps um, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah. I'm yeah, a glass so half full kind of guy. I've got to be honest. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to, to try and disappoint anyone who's trying no, to get into no. the industry, but it does have its downsides as well as mm. its ups. Well, also it, the the image always is that it's such a glamorous thing to do, oh, isn't yeah. it? But of course, in reality, that isn't the case at all. And I'm sure uh, Pilot Pitt won't disagree with me on that one. It, you know, it is it is a job that everybody wants to do, but one, as I say, once uh, once reality sort of hits home, if you like, it's not perhaps what everybody thinks it is. That's exactly right. I think as a first officer's job, it can be brilliant because you don't face all the problems that the captain does. You, He's often off out of the flight deck sometimes sorting out all these problems, particularly on the ground before departure. Yeah. And the FO is just sitting there quietly programming the box yeah. and enjoying himself and doing 
he that whatever stuff is that he needs to prep the airplane and and then the captain comes and says, oh, what have you done <laughs> And because he's grumpy, because he's been been hassled, uh, and uh, the FO just sits there and worries about the flying. And that, that when I was uh, first officer, I used to really love it because I once I got used to the airplane and knew how to do the job, it was just an absolute pleasure. Uh, got a lot of seniority, so you know, pick your trips uh, and moving to the left seat was very satisfying to know that you're capable of doing it. And of course, the pay is brilliant. Yeah, no, it's no, yeah. It's no, it's no about that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the important bit. Um, but uh, moving to the lessee is a completely different job. Uh, mm. Not just uh, you're flying; you have to take for granted. And whenever it gets really bad, of course, you're the bloke who has to do it. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, it's it, you. You don't really have a chance to practice and play on your flying because all your time is taken up doing other stuff. Indeed. Now we always ask this question: Have uh, either in in the fighter or, or actually flying commercial wise, have you had any what I like to describe as hairy moments? Should we say any yeah. any flights? Pip, Pip's that, asked this one. In the yeah, and room, Pip yeah. as well. Any flights that you care to forget? If you see what I mean with regard to any trouble. Well, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm just a bit worried about. Uh, in the Air Force, I had a few. Uh, that was that was okay. I was nearly court-martialed at one point <gasps> for <Hello>. a um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I was out in New Zealand flying F-18s with the Australians, and we'd been given clearance to beat up the airfield at the end of our mission. And uh, the only rule was, uh, and the only rule was, don't fly over the flight line. Uh, so I briefed everybody. I was since I was leading the mission. I think there were about. 12 aircraft involved, might even be more. And we did a, a kind of mini display. And then I said, right, when we come for the final pass, everyone to the right of me, because I'm going to go up against the flight line. And um, I don't want anyone inside me, because that means you'll be over the flight line. Yeah. And of course, I made a slight in inverted commas, uh, misjudgment, <laughs> mm -hmm. and actually passed over the flight line. Uh, and the station commander of Ahakia was livid, furious, uh, as was my boss. <laughs> yes. And um, uh, I think the only reason I wasn't court martial is that they couldn't work, quite work out who had jurisdiction over an <laughs> RAF officer working with the Australians in New Zealand. Right. And, and they all they all scratched their heads for a thought. Well, we, we can't. We can't court martial him. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what do we do now? The yes. Next, the next morning. <laughs> Uh, we, they had a, a very formal sort of prayers. It wasn't prayers, of course. It was the morning briefing. Yeah. And all the pilots of the wing uh, attended. And um, they you know, had a time hack, 0800 in 3, 2, 1, hack. And everyone sat there, their Air yeah. Force watches, and off we went with the weather and everything else. And at the end of that briefing, uh, I was asked to stand, and I was publicly uh, admonished <laughs> in front of about 120 pilots so yeah. uh, that was and it was pretty good actually yeah. when it comes to uh, a rollickings it was yeah. one of the best i've ever had <laughs> so uh, uh, that was uh, yes, quite a, a, a positive rollicking yes <laughs> well, yes exactly right so uh, in the uh, in the flying world in the av in uh in Acme Red, probably only one that concerned me really, and I wasn't that senior a captain, and we were taking a 340 into uh, Shanghai. In mm. There was a typhoon inbound from oh, the opposite direction, and we were going to get in, in theory, just ahead of it. Uh, they'd only given us fuel for the local uh, diversion, which is like 12 miles away, 
Uh, so very little diversion fuel, and I had I looked at the weather and went, oh, that's looking a bit dodgy. So I decided to take an extra 12 tonnes, um, which took a lot of cargo off and actually was a great decision because as we approached, the typhoon track had gone faster than expected and the winds were picking up really? 90 degrees across the runway and outside our crosswind limits. So they were asking if we would have fuel to go to um, Shanghai and divert back to Beijing, which was a long way. Yeah. And luckily I did, but I only had really had fuel for one approach. Yeah. And we came down and uh, on the way down went through a, 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 um, a rain shower. And uh, in the shower we got uh, a wind shear alert, so we went around. Hmm. Um, and we, uh, we were flying downwind more or less visually because uh, I said, you know, outside that one shower, it was pretty clear. And we, we were the only aircraft in the airspace. There was no one else airborne. Thank uh, and I said to the guys, right, if, if we use fuel for Peking, uh, we can uh, do this second approach. Otherwise, we're off to Beijing now. And yeah. we all chatted about it yeah. at least <laughs> for the 30 seconds or so we had. Yeah. And we said, yeah, we could do that because although the wind was strong, it was straight down the strip. Yeah. So that was fine. Yeah. Uh, we made a second approach and it came much better, much smoother Yeah. until the flare and that's when we hit the turbulence. Now, the wind was being quoted by the tower, which is overrides the um, sort of ATIS wind, yeah. uh, as being just inside our limits. But uh, subsequently, I think, in reality, they were trying to be nice to us by giving <laughs> us the wind that was inside our not the right. actual wind. Yeah. Uh, which wasn't very helpful at all because in the flare we hit turbulence that I'd never hit before. Really? And um, we, uh, the right wing went down first of all, and I had full uh, left stick against the stops and I couldn't stop it. But eventually we were still at probably at 10 or 15 feet above the ground at this point, so no huge problem. Um, eventually they control and the, the gust uh, eased, uh, and with all that left control in the airplane started rocketing the opposite direction uh and i think the only thing that stopped us perhaps scraping a pod was the fact that the left main gear hit the ground at that point because oh uh, we're that close and that stopped the airplane rolling and we sort of pivoted for a second on one wheel until i managed to get the airplane straightened and down the runway and then we sort of clumped and settled yeah. out on all all four gear and uh and roll out was relatively uneventual but the wind was so strong when we taxed it in that uh, the marshaller couldn't hold on and use two bats at the same time he was on a little podium <laughs> and uh, every time he let go of the rail yeah uh, in order to wave both his arms he got blown off the podium so no. he was kind of doing it one at a time one hand then one hand and then one <laughs> and we parked and the airplane was rocking like a boat they couldn't put steps up against the airplane because the wind was so strong that yeah. they uh, they it was just too dangerous and we sat there for an hour while really? the typhoon came closer and closer till eventually some very brave japanese uh uh ana uh, 777 skipper decided to get airborne and he opened up a spot on against the terminal because we were out in a remote stand yeah and uh we were towed across to the terminal and in the lee of the terminal. It was calm enough for us to disembark passengers who Gosh. were all dreadfully sick by then, having yeah. like sitting on a boat, being thrown around in this aircraft for an hour. 
Wow. So that's that was kind of a bit of a story. My old man was there, I uh, waiting for me in Shanghai. Yeah. I'd met him there, and uh, we went and opened a bottle of whiskey and <laughs> talked about flying after that. Yeah, I can well imagine. That is, a, that is a heck of a story. Oh, dear. So one last question then before we wrap up the show, Nick. Uh, it's a question we ask normally at the air, the air shows we go mm. to, with the pilots we interview at the air shows. Um, but given any aircraft in the world, either flying or retired, um, what aircraft would you love to fly right now? As in, you could just pop down the pop airfield. any aircraft. Any aircraft. That's you, ever existed. Yeah, that's ever existed. What would be your aircraft of choice? Oh, my God. I wish I'd known this was coming. I could have put some thought <laughs> to it. Um, now, let me have a think about that. Because there are a few that go through my mind. I'd love to have had a go at the Harrier. Oh, um, yeah. Mm. yeah. At the time, the, uh, the only the top guys in the courses ever got a Harrier choice. Uh, and I think that probably will remain my my option. I just wanted to know if I was going to be good enough to fly it because, uh, yeah. you know, it, it was difficult. Killed an awful lot of pilots, uh, yeah. particularly the early variants. Um, and so you had to be very skilled to, uh, to be able to manage that in the hover in particular. You, so I think I'm going to say Harrier. I've got to say, as I say, that this is the naivety on my part here. Is, the, is there that much of a difference between flying something like, I mean, that sounds a daft question, I know, but the, the differences between, say, like commercial aviation and how you get the thing off the ground, do, do they are they much different between sort of fighters and and commercial i mean or are the basics oh, yeah. still the significant, same significant significant yeah. i mean uh, an airliner might take uh, 35 40 seconds to get airborne uh <laughs> I, I, i'd never flown an airplane up to the pot that point that i was on the runway for more than about 10 seconds <laughs> because uh, you know a fighter accelerates so quickly you hardly ever did worry about steering it down the runway as you as you were getting airborne perhaps in a pair's takeoff when you yeah. You were uh, having to concentrate on not bumping into the guy beside you. Uh, it was more important. But you were airborne very quickly in a fighter. Uh, mm. Whereas I, my first takeoff in an airline, I was sitting there going, well, when are we going to get airborne? This is taking, <laughs> taking forever. forever yeah. I could have stopped and had a cup of tea. We haven't even rotated yet. You know? So uh, oh, that, that took a bit of getting used to. And, of course, uh, you know, the, just that flare and landing phase, you are so high up. Uh, in comparison, uh, so you know it, you've got to kind of listen to the cadence of the uh, auto calls. Uh, you know you've really got to appreciate um, the altitude at which you're starting to flare the airplane, and then it, you don't just stop when the wheels land like you do in a fighter. No. You've got to fly the whole airplane on, and then yeah. make sure the damn thing stays straight in the uh, in the rollout. So there's a lot more involved in that yeah. phase of flight than ever in uh, flying fast jets. Brilliant, excellent. Well, thanks for wow. that, uh, Nick. Sorry, I put you on the on the uh, on the point there, but uh, yes. very good answer. <laughs> very good answer. I'll think of a much better answer later. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, oh. Nick, thanks ever so much for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure getting you on this morning. It and, really has. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure everyone's enjoyed it. But it's um, been brilliant. Tell tell it for the benefit of the listeners who 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 may not know where where you are who, who perhaps live who under perhaps a stone live under and, a, yeah. a very large stone somewhere <laughs> uh, where where can uh, where where can everyone find you? Well, uh, you just have to go to uh, the airline pilot guy uh, um, website, uh, which Steph is there. She can t remind me of the uh, uh, of the actual address, uh, but APG 
uh, crew at ABG Crew on Twitter. You'll find us there. Um, and there's a Facebook page as well for the airline pilot guys. So that's kind of uh, the aviation podcaster. But um, I have a Facebook um, appearance under my own name, Nick Anderson. Uh, I tweet under old.pilot. And, of course, I have my photographic website, which is nickandersonphoto.co.uk. And I've been on there, and I've had a look at the photos, Nick, and they are awesome. Uh, Oh, you're very kind. Thanks. Having having a family uh, that has got... um, I've got uh, retrievers and um, some sprockers, uh, sprocker spaniels that are, are very good at uh, what they do. <laughs> Excellent, lovely. Um, yeah, I, I do love that the photos on there, Nick, are very, very good, very, very good indeed. Well, it's just one of those uh, one of those things I've done all my life, uh, and photographing dogs, of course, combines two passions. So uh, it's been great fun. I bet. So that's where we're going to wrap up episode 97 yeah. of the show. We've had loads of people in the chat room today. Thank you very much to everyone yes, this have. year. We'll just go through a few of the names. Apologies if we miss anyone uh, very quickly. We've got a new new chap, Nico. He's joined us in the chat room from Germany Hello, for the very, very first time. So welcome to uh, the Plane Talking UK podcast. Obviously, the lovely Dr. Steph, Pilot Pip, Ray Davis. Um, who else have we had? Captain Al was in earlier, wasn't he? And uh, where are we? I'm just trying to work my way. Oh, no, I've broken the computer, so I can't go any so further. So Jeff Newman <laughs> was in there. Uh, thanks, Jeff. I'm Steph, say, Ray. Ray Davis. Uh, I'm, I'm scrolling up scrolling up the list here. Uh, here we Hip. go. Tony Kitchen was in as yes, well. Right. Matty Fab was in. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, and Glenn Towler. Yep. Yeah. Jeff. Uncle uh, Tom Cobbley, yeah. 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 <laughs> who? Don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Some random. <laughs> no, as I say, it is brilliant. To get in touch oh, with Oh, and Jonathan sh- Warner was in as well. Mr. Warner, of course. And Mr. Yes. Warner. Uh, to get in touch with the show, uh, it is uh, the website is www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, our, our Facebook handle is, or sorry, our Facebook page is playing, is. Um, Facebook. <laughs> I'll put my teeth in and try again, shall I? Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash plain talking UK. And our Twitter hattle, han, hattle? Oh, me. Oh, Buddha. Uh, is uh, uh, Twitter. It's at PT. Uh, no, it's not. It's at plain talking UK. I'm just going to give up. It's at Plain Talking UK. UK. We do also have, uh, for those uh, who prefer to watch our content on YouTube, uh, YouTube are very kindly give us an official URL now. So if you want yeah. to find us, it's www.youtube.com forward slash Plain Talking UK. Uh, that will give you all of the UK, all the YouTube entries for all of the shows that we've done uh, visual-wise. Uh, also, if you want to ever watch the live one now, we have a per- permanent URL, which is is uh, youtube.com forward slash plain talking uk forward slash live and that will take you straight to the stream that most of you are watching now don't forget of course that it is still a podcast and that is where you'll find our content every single week you'll find that via itunes or any other podcast engine and you search basically for plain talking uk and that's where you will find us Yes, so again, Nick, thank you ever oh, so yes. much for giving up your time yes. today on this I, uh, Saturday. I have to ask, because we did ask a question right at the start of the show, and you're wearing the hat now, so the put answer. us out of our misery. What was the answer? What is the emblem on the front? Uh, the airline is uh, Q8 Airways <gasps> Corporation. Ah, oh, cool. KAC, yeah. My, that's the last airline my old boat worked for. 
Fantastic. Wow. Awesome. And you've still got the hat. I love and it. Still got the yeah, he gave it to me because I'm, I'm a hat collector. Right. I see. Ah, very, very good. <laughs> Fantastic. That is, we are over two hours now, so it is time really to wow. wrap up. <laughs> it's the longest we, show yeah, ever. It's the longest show in ages. But it has been absolutely brilliant. Nick, yeah, we, Nick, Nick you're we can't a thank you enough for taking oh, time pleasure. out of your day to Great join us. Being on. And uh, yes, well, here's to many more. Uh, from all of us here in the Plain Talking UK studios here in the conservatory, it is a great pleasure and we say goodbye Bye. Bye.